I want to do is uh, remind everyone to go to hankstrange.com, sign up for the email list. Of course, as you've heard me say it before, you can get patches over on hankstrange.com. Yes, please go buy the patches and uh, support support us. This is how Lola pays for all the stuff that gets mailed out by the patches. So go over there to hankstrange.com, sign up. Lola puts up daily deals and all that kind of good stuff over there. Uh, big shout out to Franklin Armory, uh, the sponsors of tonight's podcast. I want to let those guys know that uh, we appreciate them supporting us. Um, like I said, share this if you can. Smash the thumbs ups as you're coming in here. Please, um, I'll explain to everyone here what's going on on Thursday as soon as we get going. Uh, let's see. Let me uh, let me drop PRP in there. There he goes. All right. Let me let me try to be official with everything, Rolando. I'm gonna hit the open button. Go for it. Welcome back to the Hank Strange Situation: Lifestyles of the Locked and Loaded. Oh, let's see. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button, smash the thumbs up, so you can be notified whenever we go live. We are live. Okay, Rolando, you know the deal. Jazz hands. There we go. It's just the two of us, just All the right. two of us <laughs> with the jazz hands going. Shout out to everyone out there. I hope you have your big girl panties on. Um, and I forgot to say it. If you're looking to support the Hank Strain situation, T-shirt-wise and other stuff, you can go to Ballistic Inc. There's a link in the description for that. You can get like uh, this T-shirt right here, which is the logo, the blaster logo. We have a whole bunch of other things there as well. As uh, there's other stuff in Ballistic Inc., you can buy backpacks and sunglasses and hats and uh, watches and all kinds of cool things. So we appreciate everyone doing that. And uh, once again, like I said, if you look around, if you're missing a buddy, they could be over on uh, Thursday show. You got to tell them to come over here because this is where it's at. So uh, this is, oh, by the way, this is episode number 625. And our guest is Puerto Rican Pistolero. There he goes, Rolando in the building. What's up, man? How's it going? Hey, uh, not too bad. I can't complain. Doing uh, pretty good. Yeah. Made it to uh, another Tuesday. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, thanks for uh, jumping in here. Yeah, no problem. Always yeah. a pleasure. Uh, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, man, it's, it's, a been, it's been a little bit crazy for me. This is, you know, a lot of things I'm trying to keep up with. But on Thursday's show, so we've got tonight's show. Then there's Wednesday. Then on Thursday, Thursday's show, which is episode, this is 625. So episode 627, which I already messed that up. I made a post and I said 626. It's episode 627. We actually have Pete Brownell coming in for two hours. Big time. Yeah, it was really cool. How'd you get him for two hours? Um, <laughs> special <laughs> <big> negotiations. <laughs> I have a guy who knows a guy. <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, I did actually have to do some special negotiations um, to get him in. But he is coming in Thursday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, the same time that we usually do it. Uh, he's going to be here for two hours. He's going to answer questions. Um, we'll, we'll get into uh, most things. I think there's, a, there's like at least one thing that I know is kind of off the table, uh, which I'll tell you guys about on Thursday. But if you want to know about it, we can talk about it now. Um, <laughs> You know, uh, there's just one thing he doesn't want to talk about, but everything else I think we can get into, we can talk about, we can ask questions. You guys in the audience will be able to uh, get some of your questions answered. Uh, I think it'll be myself, Pete, maybe Walter will be here, like, but anyone else who wants to be here and ask questions and stuff like that, 
can feel free to uh, join us. Of course, Lola is uh, is real happy about the gray backdrop that she insisted that I do. I don't know if it, it looks makes, good. Does it make any difference? Looks good. I don't know. Uh, I think it looks good. I like okay. it. Don't encourage Lola. Don't encourage her. <laughs> Uh, Jade Grew says, I would like to hear what he has to say about the NRA. That's the one thing that's going to be off the table. Yep. And um, I, I really don't think it's a big deal. I think he's still on the, he's still on the board of the NRA. So obviously, um, he stepped down from a position. He's still on the board. And, and, you know, there's certain things, I guess, while he's on the board that he doesn't want to get into the business of saying publicly. Let's just put it that way. But everything else, so far as I know, it is on the table. So there you go. I know there's going to be people disappointed by that, you know? I mean, it is what it is. Do you think that's you think that's a terrible thing, Rolando? I'll let you chime in on that. I think people always have to balance with what they want. Uh, everybody always wants to hear from somebody. So sometimes mm -hmm. your choice is you don't hear from them at all or you take what you can get. Mm -hmm. I think uh, Pete Brownell's obviously for anybody that follows anybody really on social media – Mm -hmm. uh, or builds guns or buys parts, any anything like that. They know who he is and what he stands for. So I think that if if people are going to get upset, that's the one thing that he can't talk about. Obviously, it's, it might be disappointing, especially considering all the positive things he does. Mm -hmm. People would love to hear from his perspective. But, hey, it is what it is. And they're under, you know, the NRA is under legal you know, going yeah. through a legal battle right now. So I understand that maybe there's a lot of things that he can talk about, but even his lawyers might be saying, no, man, you can't talk about it. Yeah, so I think that's the might one be thing. His choice. Yeah, this is probably one of the biggest guys in the industry. I know there's other people out there, I think, that are big in the firearms industry. This is one of the biggest ones, and there's a connection that he still has to them. And yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, for legal reasons, it's probably best to stay out of it. I would not like to see any other companies that we care about get added to that New York AG's list of people they're going after and all of that. So, you know, I, I get it. I understand. Right. And we talk yeah. about this kind of stuff. I'm personally not against talking about these kinds of things. Um, but that's just one of those issues. Like when I weigh it, it's like, OK, can we can we get this guy on here and talk about so many other things that we probably all want to know about? Exactly. Uh, is this one thing like a deal breaker that. And to me, it's like, you know, with with everything that's in the balance on their on their side with all the employees that they have. And, you know, that's the one thing I think that would make big news if we all of a sudden had that person talking about it. So I get it. Yep. You know? Definitely. Um, Chris Bola says, I will wear my new Brownells hat Thursday. Also. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> share pictures. Share pictures. Um, Definitely. And what you guys could do is help us share it. Like I said, I made a thing to share it, but I kind of messed up because I put on my thing that I made, I put the uh, I put the wrong date, no, the wrong episode number. So here, I'll show, I'll share it with you guys for a sec. So his, this is what I'm sharing um, for for the let's see, let's make it bigger there. Yeah. So this is what I'm sharing, but it's not episode six twenty six, it's six twenty seven. So I will adjust that and get that fixed. And I'll put it out there for anyone who wants to help us share that out and get more people in. You know, I'm tr I'm trying out something. I know you can schedule these things in advance, but yep. I'll be honest with you. It's too much. It's too much for me to think about with all the other things I have to think about. So I literally set all of this up about 
I don't know, 15, 20 minutes mm-hmm. before we do the show. That's when I'm usually like, oh, let me let me go create a show. So, yeah, I don't think, yeah, it's not a big deal that the episode, it's off by one episode number, but um, I'll get it worked out and we'll, you know, we'll do that. And then as long I'll, as you have the date yeah. right and people show up at the right time, even yeah. if they're like, oh, it's 627, but I'm here. So it, that's all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> In um, the end. Yeah, I uh, you know what I I did get the date wrong. I had it it set up for tomorrow instead of Thursday, but oh, that was easy go. enough to correct, mm-hmm. right? That's just like a virtual thing that we could set up, but it's just, just a number. Mm-hmm. So honestly, I'm here by myself most of the day. Lola works uh, pretty much like eight to five type of a deal, and then she comes over. So I'm here by myself under my own supervision, which is one dangerous. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and two mostly crazy because I'm just here thinking. Okay, how many things do I have to get done? You know, and then I just get, I just try to do as much as I could do before I realize, oh, Lola's here. I got to eat something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I have to get set up for this show. I do try to keep up with the news and all that kind of stuff that's, uh, that's going on out there. So anyway, mm-hmm. that's it. If anyone has any questions, here's my suggestion. Come in, be here every day. I mean, we do this Monday to Friday if you can make it. I know that not everyone could do that, but be here Thursday, and we'll try to get as many questions as we can into him. Um, you know, I know you guys. Like I said, there's there's only one thing that's off the table, so there's a there's a you know there's a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, well, there's uh, there's definitely plenty you can talk about. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, ammo. I'm sure we'd love to hear from somebody like him about ammunition and yeah. and that situation. I know that's what I would love to hear about. Mm-hmm. And and obviously the new um, the new BRN 180. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's something cool that he can talk about. Yeah. So there's 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 just so many things, especially nowadays with what's going on in the firearms industry and so many people buying new guns. I'd love to hear. Mm-hmm like what they've seen as far as sales, if he can talk about that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, awesome. I've seen him like he's done some stuff on Fox News. One of my problems with Fox News and a lot of other places out there, they have these people on that you really do want to hear them. And it's like three minutes, man. Yep. You know, yep. just enough time for the anchor to tell you how awesome he is. Ask yep. a question and then go, listen, by the way, we're in a rush. <laughs> well, that's why. That's why podcasting has been taking off and, and all mm-hmm. online stuff. I mean, how many journalists now do you see do long form shows? No. And that's what I yeah. well, I mean, yeah, uh, like podcasts and all that stuff now. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. I think sit there's down, people, like Joe Rogan. Yeah. There's, like a Joe Rogan yeah. style, style thing where you yeah. sit down with somebody for two to three hours or like you do all the time. So mm-hmm. that's what people want to see now. They really want to know. They don't want that blurb that can be taken out of context. Yeah. Uh, and the gotcha questions they want, you know, people can actually defend themselves and really flesh out what they're thinking. Yeah. I want to know the I want to know the person. Mm-hmm. So the thing they have set up and the thing they want to answer, I'm interested in that. But I really want to get to know that person deeper than than just that, you know, and and, and I don't want to get their thoughts out there. And we do that all the time. Sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, there's some good stuff that comes out of it. Sometimes not so much. Sometimes people aren't happy with what they hear. Sometimes they are. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. it's yeah. all good. It's all true. Yeah, you guys are you guys are doing a podcast. You know how that is now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we're 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 learning about it. We haven't had anyone on yet, and it's not because we haven't wanted to. It's just mm-hmm. because Joe and I have been, you know, kind of getting into the groove of it. Because mm-hmm. uh, one of our concerns at first is that uh, Joe and I, 
you know, we have so many conversations throughout the day, you know, uh, about current events and topics going on Mm -hmm. that sometimes, you know, uh, we wanted to make sure that when we get on a show, we don't stall out because it's like, oh man, we've been talking about this all day. But then as we started doing it, it's been a lot more natural. And now it's more like bringing people into the conversations that she and I have every day and the things that concern us Mm -hmm. and that we talk about. Mm -hmm. And so it's become really natural uh, just more, you know, being the way that we are every day on our, uh, our own. Yeah. Is that you? Was that alarm? Yeah. yeah, that was me. That was my battery backup, I guess, was getting oh. angry at me <laughs> there for a second. Yeah. So, so cute. Uh, proximity alert. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kathy uh, Mo- Music Lover says a podcast with no guests. That happens. People do it. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. they just talk and and, um, and or talk out there to the audience and stuff like that. I think, you know, yep. it's cool. Do it however you guys want to do it, man. Um, make your own rules. Yep. So, yeah, well, we definitely are going to have people on, but it's almost like we since we're only doing it once a week, we come up with enough ideas that we have conversations that last, mm-hmm. you know, uh, long enough in the show. And we've tried to talk about different things, you know, like yeah. we uh, we have like our little segments that we always focus on, like we go mm-hmm. over the Constitution in Spanish and English mm-hmm. uh, so that different people can, you know, can check it out. And then now we just started adding a segment where we talk about video games and the second amendment and that kind of stuff. So yeah, we're, we're, we're fleshing it out how we want it. And, uh, and we definitely have a vision and it's been a lot of fun so far, even in the few episodes that we've done. Yeah. I, um, I think that that's a good way to go. So for example, Joe was on, uh, when was that? Was she on on Friday? I think she was, was it Thursday, Wednesday. It was Maybe before Maj. It was before yeah. Maj. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, you know, um, I think it was her and Rhonda Mary and myself. So, you know, I, th- I thought to myself, man, I, got, I have to have Joe on when it's just me and her. Or it's the same mm-hmm. thing with you. Sometimes you come on and there's other people, but we don't really get to, like, interface and go face to face because either I'm talking too much, which is usually the case, <laughs> or <laughs> that other person, you know, they're yeah. talking. And Joe's, like, so polite, so she's not going to. I would just get in there, you know. Yeah, that's what she, uh, I, I told her that too, and she's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna get in there," because I now, um, now obviously that we have her our own show, mm-hmm. she goes on her own. You know, she can go on her own tangent. She yeah. can choose her top. Like, I'm gonna talk about this, but this is the point that I want to make. Mm-hmm. And it's like, obviously, she's with me. I'm like, go for it. This is your show too. Like, you gotta, yeah, uh, take it over. Yeah, it's so, good sometimes but, when you're doing like the one-on-one, and I think uh-huh. that's usually why Joe Rogan does it like that because then it gives those two. So I remember one of my least favorite and most favorite episodes of Joe Rogan. Said, I know this is going to sound schizophrenic, but this episode was schizophrenic. It was with the RZA, and what is the comedian? Oh, man, I'm trying to remember the comedian. Um, it was like this co- comedian. It's a black comedian that was on crack. I'm trying to remember. What's that guy's name? Because um, Joe Rogan helped him start. Uh, Joe, someone out there will tell me who it was. I, I'm trying to remember. He was real. He's a real funny comedian, but he seemed like he was on a serious extra dose of crack. And mm-hmm. the RZA was on, and I wanted to hear what the RZA had to say. And this guy just kept jumping. He seemed like you know. He seemed very, um, very hungry for attention. Yeah. You know, he wouldn't let the RZA answer anything. He wouldn't let Joe answer anything. (laughs) 
I'm trying to remember who who that was. He's a funny guy because I actually followed him after that, but I'm pretty terrible with names. So that's how some people are. They they always overwhelm the uh, yeah. any opportunity you give them to grab the mic. Yeah, let me see. I'll look it up here real quick because it was a Joe Rogan episode, huh? Yeah, Donnell something. Uh, what is it? Uh, let's see, comedian uh, Donnell Rawlings. I think it's Donnell Donnell Rawlings. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, was his name? Yeah. Uh, Donnell Donnell Rawlings. That's who it was. That guy, man, he's so crazy. And it was a great it was a great episode at the end of the day, but it was so insane. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Have you seen that one? No, I haven't seen that one. You he's always go got so many. Yeah, he's he's got so many. I've only like seen a fraction of what he's got out yeah. there. Yeah, there's obviously a lot of them out there. But if you go look at that podcast, it was so insane. I think. Okay, so let's see. I'm pulling it up here. It was episode uh, one uh, thirteen hundred and eighty two. Riza and Donnell Rawlings. Um, if you want to lose your mind sometime, if you just really feel <laughs> <laughs> like having a complete mental breakdown. <laughs> yes, Ashley Larry. Dan hates you, said the guy who played Ashley Larry. Yes. That guy is very needy. Very, very needy. You have to go look at it. But also <laughs> very funny. Also very funny. It's like a chihuahua. So I don't know if you ever had a chihuahua. Uh, no, I haven't had small dogs, but I can I can tell you my cat is obsessed with me sometimes, so I, I understand the sentiment. Okay, imagine a chihuahua. Usually chihuahuas are a medication. I don't know if you know this. No, I didn't. Yeah, they have to be. They're they really high-strung creatures. Yeah, yeah. Okay. They're really high-strung creatures. So imagine a chihuahua, not a medication, and just yapping off all the time. You know, and then like in your in the owner's lap, but it's just yapping and they're trying to talk <laughs> to someone and that thing's just going crazy. Yeah. Um, so there you, you go. Do. Shooting gallery. And he says uh, my favorite are when he has Dice Clay and Joey Diaz. On. Oh, Joey Diaz is insane. <laughs> Joey Diaz on his own is crazy. Andrew Dice Clay, I've always been a fan of. You know, I mean, <laughs> I'm from New York, so. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, you have to go look at that episode. If you haven't seen it, you owe it to yourself. Because I kept thinking, I'm going to I can't look at this. I'm going to just stop this. But it was like looking at a train wreck or it was just so insane. I looked it through the whole thing. And it's just... <laughs> you get one second. You're like, I can't handle it. And then the next it's like three hours later. And you're like, what just happened? <laughs> yeah. Well, Ro Rogan told him, dude, don't uh, don't look at this episode. Don't don't look at any of the comments because Rogan could tell people it was going to be crazy. Mm -hmm. And I've seen Donnell Rawlings actually come back on Joe Rogan's show talking about it because everyone was like, is this guy is this guy nuts? What What is he on? You know, because um, just imagine the RZA, right? The RZA gets deep. They're over there talking about chakras. Oh, yeah. The Vada Vagita or something, you mm -hmm. know, <laughs> and this guy's just go. It's it's listen, I can't I cannot describe it to you people. Go look at it and then you're probably going to send me messages like, OK, this is crazy. When you get Joe Rogan down on that, uh, that tangent, he goes deep. Yeah. Anything like spiritual or having to do with drugs, he just goes yeah. down the rabbit hole. He, yeah. he can't help himself. That Those are his favorite topics. Yeah, I think. Yeah. 
he all the existential he's a, stuff. He's a he's like a born died in the wool drug dealer or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he tries to convert everyone mm-hmm. um, to that. Everyone has to get high or whatever yes. with him. Yeah, that, that that is like his his mantra. Yeah, so. Uh, you got to be really strong. The one thing I always thought was funny, I looked at the first one where um, Musk came on. Did Musk come on again? I think he, was he just on one time or twice? Um, I looked at the first one with Elon Musk. If that, if that, maybe that was the only one. Joe, Rogan, yeah, that's the one I know. Yeah, Joe Rogan, big dude, short, short. I think he's shorter mm-hmm. than Lola, which is saying a lot. Um, you know, so short, stocky dude. Right. Um, that's what happens when you got short limbs. I get it. I respect it. Um, so he usually wears T-shirts and stuff like that. You know, I get that. Joe Rogan had on a pink silk shirt when uh, Elon Musk came on the show. <laughs> and I was like, what's happening to me? <laughs> why? Why is what's going on here? Mm-hmm. And he was so in love with uh, Musk, Elon Musk. I was like, <laughs> you know, they used to say about Prince, don't look him in the eyes. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I felt like Joe Rogan should not have looked Elon Musk in the eyes because he couldn't handle it. <laughs> you know, and he just thought he was like the greatest thing since oh sliced God. bread, which I don't believe. I like Elon Musk and all of that. You know, but I just I just don't uh, fall into that category. DC Two Megaboo says I watched it, but that's just Donnell. Yeah, I think he's just crazy. He goes to Joe Rogan is five seven. Armament Nexus says yeah. And Iraq wants to know what that episode number was. Hold on, I'll tell you. Um, Thirteen eighty two. Thirteen eighty two. Um, go watch that when you get a chance. Let us know. Uh, smash the thumbs ups out there. Okay, I think we I think we. Uh, Exhausted talking about someone else's podcast. <laughs> yeah, which is what do you, awesome. what do you, what do you huh? think of uh, Teslas? I know you're you're big into cars. How do you feel about them? Um, I think Teslas. The closest way thing that I could relate a Tesla to is an iPhone. Yeah. So when iPhones came out, I was looking at them. I thought this was a great idea, um, but I didn't get in on iPhone one. Hmm. Um, I think I first got in at iPhone 3, maybe, I think it was 3. When they finally made, uh, the, I think they st- finally started putting in like a good camera in there and stuff to, to edit photographs and video, I was like, ah, yeah, this is what I was waiting for, and that's when I got in. So I feel that same way about um, Teslas, that they're more like phones than cars, actually. Yeah. You know, they do drastic updates over the air, but they're not cars in a sense of like you get it, you buy a car, you could own that forever, you could pass it down, you could sell it, it's got value. But there's things with their cars that one, they, they don't have a good build quality. Mm-hmm. And if things go wrong with them, it's very tough to get it fixed. Yep. You know, you don't have the same kind of customer service you would have with, um, with uh, any dealership that you want to deal with with a regular car. So um, I just don't feel that way yet. And, I'm, and then the other thing I think is that their cars are, they're cool, but they're not super attractive enough. Like for me, I see cars or any kind of machines like that. I see them the same, the same kind of like passion and desire and attraction I have to women, I have to cars. Yeah. And that car needs to be really good looking to me. 
Mm-hmm. You know, that when I get out of it and walk and the, like I'm looking back and all that kind of stuff, I got to go, damn. Yeah. You know? No, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't get that so, with a They're Tesla. cool, but they're soulless. If, yeah, if, there's if, something. I think that's the way to say it. Yeah, there's like something missing that makes you go, uh, it looks futuristic. You know, it's got all the tech, but there's nothing that makes it stand out. It's got the aerodynamics in it, and they're not ugly. Yeah. But they haven't made one attractive enough for me the, to buy. Um, I would buy the, the uh, Cybertruck if it was out, though. Mm-hmm. That's probably the first one. And I think now, lately, they're starting, because um, I follow I follow Teslas, even though um, uh, I'm not really into them. I follow that. I follow other electric cars. They're just now starting to do better build quality, mm-hmm. I think, and uh, better features. But they're still not... So, like, a friend of mine bought the Porsche Taycan, and I think that's more of a car, even though it's electric. And, like, yeah. he was telling me, oh, you know, it updates over the air. Yeah, it's, those updates, <laughs> you know, you get a station added mm-hmm. over the air. It's not like a Tesla. Like, you wake up in the morning, and your Tesla has cheetah stance. Yeah. You know, now It'll it can do go something into... something totally different. Yeah, it could go into special mode. It has more torque, torque or whatever. It can launch faster. Um, but these other cars just really don't have that. But uh, um, I think like the Cybertruck is probably the thing if it comes out before the, before someone else puts out some other truck, because that looks so much like um, growing up in the 80s and looking at all the post-apocalyptic movies yeah. and things like that. That kind of has like some soul that draws me in like, oh, yeah, I would, you know, I would go for that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it looks like something I've seen in video games. So I definitely think it's pretty cool looking. Yeah, yeah, um, but I feel I feel the same way. I, I uh, Joe's Joe's uh, sister. They've got Teslas and they've owned like all you know. They've had the they've had they had an S. Now they have a three and an X. Okay, and uh, and they love them to death. Um, but they had like a Jeep Grand. Uh, they had a Jeep Rubicon before, mm. and and that was much more appealing. They had it lifted and everything. It was like post apocalyptic, and they sold it. And I'm just oh, really? like man. Hmm. Man, why would you get rid of that? So they went full in on the Tesla, and mm-hmm. it's just not—they're cool, but it's just not the same. Yeah. And and I'm I'm still one of those guys that every car that I've owned is a stick shift. Mm-hmm. And I'm very old school when it comes to that. Yeah. Like I like being in control. I like feeling the car, even uh, even if I don't have the fastest car in the world. I like to feel like I'm I'm driving the car and feel yeah. and feel the. Uh, there's just something about even just driving down local roads and you hit a really perfect shift and you're like oh man yeah that feels good mm-hmm. like and you just really feel like you're in tune with the car and i love yeah. that feeling that yeah. i just don't get with an electric car right so you feel like part of the machinery my brother's like that all his cars mm-hmm. have to be stick yeah um which That's i don't i'm not 100 percent like that i do like having a stick mm-hmm. especially when it's a smaller car but i think like bigger cars should be to me i feel like a bigger car should be automatic you know, um, and then nowadays, I think that the technology is gone. See, remember before, uh, stick shifts used to be the most efficient. Yeah. But now, um, the automatics are more efficient and faster. Oh, yeah. They're they're way yeah. faster. Yeah. I know, like, with the new Mustangs, you've got, they're like 10-speed automatics now. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be coming out in all of them. And, you know, other cars are mostly CVTs. Mm-hmm. So that's just the way that it's that's the way it's going to be from now on. Mm-hmm. But I'm happy to see that obviously 
like the Bronco and all the off-road trucks are still uh, available in stick shift because I think that's still uh, a niche that it's yeah. important. That's really where you're still going to see it and like off-road trucks and some sports cars. Yeah. Muscle cars and things like that. Yeah, do you – so I know Lola sees this. Like when I'm driving a car, I typically have my hand rested and she's like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. But what it is is that I drove a stick shift so long that I'm over there. I'm like ghost shifting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I definitely when I'm in an automatic, I do that. I know I always – when I jump into like Joe's car, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll put my left foot like I'm going to push down the clutch <laughs> and take yeah. it out of first gear. Yeah. Uh, like if I had it parked and I'm like, oh, yeah. crap. And then I always put on the parking brake just yeah. because it's a stick shift. Oh, I so, use crack parking brake no matter what. I use it no matter is. what. But, yeah. you know, a few years ago, I realized that most people don't. So if I drive That's somebody bad. else's car, yeah, yeah I, I put on the parking brake and then they freak out later on. Mm-hmm. Like, you just drove my car. I was like, did you check the parking brake? Did you take it off? And they're like, oh, and I'm like, you don't put on the parking brake. I'm that's like, not, I do that's it all the time. Good. Yeah, that's not good yeah. for the car. People could tell us mm-hmm. out there, are you the kind of person that you pull up somewhere, you just slam it into park, and you don't put on the handbrake? Mm-hmm. If so, you're evil. <laughs> you know? You need yeah, to just, find I Jesus and use the handbrake. That's my <laughs> a parking brake or whatever you want to call it. It's better for the car. Like, So whenever I see people pull up somewhere and they get out and their car moves like this, I'm like, you're a bastard. You didn't use. <laughs> it drives me crazy, yeah, too. Yeah, put that freaking handbrake on, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and get yeah. used to it. Um, I don't know if it's like a Florida thing because people are just – it's all flat here and people just never did that or if it's yeah. everywhere. But I really started noticing it down here. But I was like, well, I yeah. started driving in Florida, so maybe I'm just so used to how people do things here. Oh, they don't know how to drive. People in Florida uh, yeah. have no clue on how to – where did you start driving? Uh, I started driving while well, I was down here pretty much. I've lived here. Yeah, yeah. I've lived here for the past like 14 years. So okay. since I got my license. So and then I, I obviously I went my first year of college. I was in Atlanta and Georgia Tech. So there were hills there. Mm-hmm. So but I didn't have a car my first year of college. Uh, yeah. When I when I went back and visited, that's really when I experienced it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and had dealt with hills the, for the first time. So my parents in Puerto Rico, it's all mountainous. Mm-hmm. So they always told me stories of like, yeah, the first time you go driving, you roll backwards on the hill with the stick shift, yeah. especially in some like yeah. old like Honda Civic or Toyota Corolla or whatever small car you have in the islands that has like 90 horsepower. <laughs> mm-hmm. That that that's how it is. Yeah, and you've like I've seen in my life people with automatic cars that don't use the handbrake. I've seen those cars oh, rolling. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I've seen them rolling. John Crump says, uh, "Shouldn't keep your hands on a stick shift on the stick shift." So I don't know what he's talking about. That doesn't. Hurt I, I've heard, I've heard people say that it can like affect the synchros, but I'm like, if it's a a modern car is not going to have that issue, I would think. And yeah. if they can take a ton of horsepower, I don't think it's an issue. I don't usually lay it on there. I usually have it like around the shifter, yeah. so I try to shift a little bit lower. That's just, but that's just how I drive. Um, yeah. Um, let's see. Night Train says just park it in first gear. I used to do all of that. Mm-hmm. First gear and and parking brake. Yeah, that's what I do. Come on. That, that's how my old man taught me. <laughs> and my old man was like, "You're not going to get your license until you learn how to drive a stick shift." Yeah. He's like, "I'm not going to let you drive the the other cars here. Mm-hmm. You're going to drive the stick first. Yeah. You used to have one. Yeah, so. DC2 Megaboost says dual clutch is faster. However, the car is really driving you. It's stick. You are the driver. True. It is true. 
Yeah, dual clutch is pretty fast, man. That's just like that other gear is just waiting. So it's just, you yep. know, and when you're using paddle shifters, it just, you know, it's amazing. I kind of, amazing. I, I kind of describe it, you know, when I go shooting, it's like, I, it, I'm sure it's an overused analogy, but it's like mm -hmm. shooting a bolt action or a lever action. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's not as practical. Uh, you know, obviously semi-automatic weapons or mm -hmm. where it's at, you're going to shoot a lot faster. They're more effective, but there's just something about you doing a mechanical action to make something work Yeah, that is just really appealing. And I know it, maybe it's a dude thing. Maybe it's just an old school mentality nowadays because it seems like less people appreciate that yeah. nowadays. But that's yeah. just that's um, about I carry my revolver in single action. He's a savage. Mm -hmm. uh, he says putting your handbrake on while parked on a flat flatland is like people wearing a mask <laughs> in the car alone. Obviously, sir, you are savage and wrong. I just think of somebody if somebody <laughs> bumps into my car, too, it's going to go, uh, you know, something will happen to it. Yeah, it'll move. The, yeah. Listen, it's just the best thing to do. It's best. I think it's better for the transmission and lots of other things. Let's look it up. Look it up. Let's see what the experts say. Um I mean, it's called the parking brake most of the time. Uh, it's not like the drifting brake. That's not what it's used for nowadays. Yeah. I think that's what the kids think it's for. It's for drifting. Yeah, when so. you get out of the car and it lurches forward like this, when you get out, it's sitting on something. You're not allowing that. You're That that brake is sitting that from sitting on a gear and stuff like that. So you're going to wear that out. Mm -hmm. You know, so uh, that, I don't know. Maybe that's mumbo jumbo. Maybe well, have you seen all the – have you seen the crazy cars now that they've got the electronic parking brake? I don't trust those things at all. No, those – no, those suck. Yeah. Um, and I, I've had them. I've had cars like that, by the way. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I've never had one, but I've seen it. Like I yeah. think Joe's parents had a Civic that. that. I was yeah. like, what is this? Yeah. Yeah, so. all the modern cars have that um, handbrake by wire. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah. Um, let's see here. Uh and then someone he says, "Yeah, I thought you were talking about an automatic. I do it with automatics. I put them. In, I put the brake on. Mm -hmm. put yeah, I put it on no matter what. Yeah. Um, and Kathleen, music lover, says, "Don't play with your stick shift when driving." Oh, <laughs> I always do that. Yeah. I always do it. <laughs> always do it. <laughs> it's called practice. You know, yep. I'm I'm downshifting. If I have like a bottle or something, which this is so crazy. If I have a bottle, because I drove in New York City with a stick shift. Mm hmm. That's all I had when I was uh, starting. I think maybe I had one car that was an automatic, but I had stick shift, and I would drive in New York City, Upper East Side, Brooklyn, Queens, the Bronx, everywhere with a stick shift. So if I have a bottle or something like that, I'm still shifting, pushing it mm -hmm. down, putting it in gear. That's what I like about my uh, 1990 Suzuki Samurai. It's a stick shift. Yep. So I get to, um, you know. I, I get to mess around with that. So, and Len Stop Holtz and the, quite a few people says, "Learn how to drive with a three on the tree." That's how my that's how my dad learned how to drive stick. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, what is that? Explain that to me. So uh, the shifter is actually on you know uh, on the shift column. So like how oh. you would have the old school, right? The old school yeah. automatics, mm -hmm. usually like the old minivans. For me, that's where I used to see them: the minivans and the station uh -oh. wagons with the shifter up here. But, but there's still a clutch and yeah. Oh. So but your shifter is up here instead. So that's yeah. how you go through the gears. Yeah. Shooting gallery. Mm -hmm. And he says, "When can we all go back to driving Pontiac Fiero?" <laughs> I love those. Well, and that's like one of the most popular kick cars. Everybody loves to just buy those and put whatever crazy shell on them, turn them into uh, exotic cars. Yeah. So, 
And uh, I, I carry my revolver, says, Hank, do you find lots of horsepower addicting? Um, are you serious? Is this a... <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> Power. That's a rhetorical question. <laughs> Power. Yeah, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm not scared at all by the horsepower wars, man. Like, you know, you can buy... So that new uh, Ram TRX mm-hmm. is 702 horsepower in a... In a pickup truck. Yeah. That's awesome. That's standard. Yeah. Comes it's like that. Yeah. Obviously, it's got a supercharger, but yeah. You know? Yeah. So can you imagine that? You could still probably tune that up a little bit from there. Well, it, it's just crazy how in such a short... I mean, I know people love to talk... I mean, we're like we were talking about Tesla earlier, mm-hmm. and people love to talk about how electric cars get instant torque and all that stuff, but mm-hmm. look how in the past 10 years, how far, how refined even internal combustion engines have gotten like, you know, I, I think I mentioned it before I drive a Mustang, but it's an EcoBoost. Mm-hmm. but even the EcoBoost gets 320 horsepower. That's, that's what, the 20, that's what the 2010 GTs used to get the V8. Yeah. And that's not even that long ago. And, and, you know, you can smoke old Mustang stock with that car and the V8s now are ridiculous what they can do. Yeah. What the power that you can put down on yeah. those. By the way, you can you could take that I think you could take that Mustang to three fifty something or three sixty. Oh yeah. 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 There's I, a tune because yeah. I have a there's this thing called race chip that yeah. I have. It was in my previous car before the one I have like a used Volkswagen nowadays. Mm-hmm. But um in in that in that um that chip, which I can't use on mine, mine's naturally aspirated. Yeah. because uh, it's so old. But uh, I'm being really sarcastic. But, you know, with that thing, anything that race chip can tune anything that is uh, that has uh, turbos or um, a supercharger in it. So, Uh, yeah, I used to have uh, I used to I had a Mazda Speed three before this Mm -hmm. one. Mm-hmm. And I had uh, the access port, so it was pretty similar for that for the Mazda. And I used to go into the tables and tune the turbo and all that stuff back in the day. Mm-hmm. So that that's that's part of why I got the EcoBoost because you mm-hmm. know Ford used to own Mazda, yeah. so that 2.3 liter turbo was an engine that they that they had used. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I know this motor; it's solid. I had 160 thousand mm-hmm. miles on that Mazda, yeah. And that that Wh- car. Which was, Mazda did you have? Brick. The Mazda Speed. So that was the turbo hatchback okay. that yeah. they had. What year was so that? I had, that one was a 2010. So I had owned I had owned a couple of Mazdas before that, but that was the yeah. first Mazda Speed. Yeah. So I and, still like Mazda. I, I loved them because they were still the only Japanese company that still cared about making all their cars fun. Mm-hmm. And you could pretty much find every model in stick shift. Uh, they always tried to emphasize, you know, the driving experience. Yeah. I, uh, I, so I had a Mazda 626. Okay. Coupe. Mm -hmm. That was cool. Yeah. Those were nice back in the day. Yeah. I think that was the one stick, um, automatic that I had that 626. I almost bought a 929, the Mazda 929. And Mm -hmm. I, and I had, when I first met Lola, I got a Mazda Millennia. If I don't know if you. So you went through all of them. You went through the entire model line up there. Yeah. Yeah, so um, the the millennial was cool mm-hmm. back in the days. I mean, that was in a rap song. Yeah, no, that, that was, was a pretty in, car. Yeah, that was in uh, something with uh, what's her name? Uh, who, who was that? Uh, Biggie and oh man, I'm trying to remember her name now. Uh, the original Queen Bee. Little Kim. Little Kim. Little Kim. Little Kim. Oh yeah. yeah. 
And and I think like uh, Puffy had the line five plus fives who drive millennials. <laughs> it's all about the yeah, all about the Benjamins. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, so John Crump says he texted me something here for the show. I'll get to that in one second here, John. I did see that. Uh, DC Two Megaboo says I got. I, I'm gonna get the final car thing out of my system. DC Two <laughs> Megaboo says horsepower wars is wild these days. Back in the day. In the 80s, if you had 200 horsepower, you were the man. Yes. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. 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 100%. Mm -hmm. um, I remember I had a, uh, I had a Honda S2000 that was 240 horsepower. <laughs> and I was like, and it revved really high, right? Like 9,000 oh, yeah. RPM. Mm -hmm. It was like a motorcycle. Yeah. No, that car's legendary. People love it. Yeah. yeah. I used to race motorcycles with that and beat them. Mm -hmm. Yes, with me and Lola in the car. There was—I yep. remember there was a motorcycle guy trying to. I was like, "Dude, you don't even know." You know, the, yeah. So, and that was two hundred and forty horsepower. Yep. Today, I would be like, "Please." No, it's nothing. <laughs> That's nothing. Yeah, but they're still—they're those are those are like iconic. If you never owned one of those, and you come across it, such an awesome car, man. Mm -hmm. Honda S two thousand. So. Um, let's see. Let's go to let's go to what uh, let's go to what John Crump is sending us here. Let me see if I could. What's he uh, got? Uh, this is from New York Post. It says uh, NBC News ripped over tweet mistaking Kevin Hart for Usain Bolt. I don't know how wow. you do that. How, <laughs> how is that possible? So NBC News is in the hot seat. After it mistakenly posted a photo of stand-up comedian Kevin Hart on a story about Olympian Usain Bolt, which I know, I believe that recently Usain Bolt ha got COVID-19. Oh, I didn't so know I that. Know. Yeah, that's what it says. It says, the legendary sprinter made the news Tuesday after he tested positive for COVID-19 days after his 34th birthday bash. Oh, he was partying down. Mm -hmm. That's how they get you. Yep. Um, I mean, and that's one of the... That's one of the most powerful, physically powerful dudes on the planet. Where was he partying? Was he in... Uh, I'm trying to see. Uh, uh, it doesn't say where he says. Readers spotted the error on NBC News story, which included a photo of Hart instead of Bolt, and took to Twitter. Is there nobody black on the NBC News social staff? Tweeted Marlon Walker, a journalist at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that is not at Hussein Bolt. It's Kevin Hart for real. As journalists, our credibility is everything. So, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's a, I, I, how do you even do that? I, I don't know how you can do that in the, in, in 2020, because I mean, does it, did you just do some, a stupid Google search and you just took the first photo you saw without trying to say, let me see a few different photos Yeah. or did like, what photo did they use? Do they want to make him like look bad so that they find but a bad photo two, of first Kevin of Hart? All, Kevin Hart is about four foot something. A, yeah, exactly. There's Hussein two Bolt, totally how tall dudes. is Hussein Bolt? Like, what is he? He's six got something? A, he's tall. Yeah. He's, he's at least like six and a half. I would think he's, he's a big dude. Yeah, I mean... Or at least a long... He's a long dude, you know? Yeah, other than being black. they And they don't look the same either. No. I mean, it's... Yeah, I don't no. know. That's what happens when you have interns. Let's see. Let's. I'll look at this again. Let's see. These are completely different looking dudes. So... Watch, there's this... But, 
Is this somehow going to become uh, Sandra Bullock and Michael Jackson where you're going to put oh. them next to each other and it's going <laughs> to no. be like, oh, man, they really do look like each other. <laughs> no, there's no way you could not. <laughs> but there are some people who do like there's actresses and actors and stuff like that that you mix them up. Yeah. Because they're almost like a prototype. They look just like each other. Yeah. You know, um, like I always mix up the guy who was Spider-Man with the guy who was in uh, the Hobbit movies. I always okay. mix. I or Toby no, Maguire the Lord of the Ring, the Lord of the Ring movies. Toby Maguire and Elijah Wood. Yeah, I always mix those two up. Hmm. You know, so I can get how it can happen. Yeah. For people who look alike, but I don't. I don't understand it in this. In in, in the case of this, I mean, Kevin Hart comes up to like Usain Bolt's waist. Oh my gosh. So I don't know how. You know, I don't know how that happens. <laughs> Not really sure, but I guess, yeah, all things, that all things funny. are possible. Um, yeah, this, so that's crazy, but there's a lot of stuff like that, I think, that goes on out there. Is it, I don't know if it falls into, um, I don't know if I would say it's racism, I mean, you know, and then maybe if there's some young intern over there, they probably don't care, probably the same, you know? Uh, probably, I mean, that's what it is nowadays, these... Yeah. They just have some dumb college student just do their research for them, and it's like they're not, they don't even know how. They first thing they see, they take it as truth. Yeah, but they should know better. Yeah. So let's see what gun stuff since we did as penance for us spending um, at <laughs> least twenty minutes no, talking actually about cars. longer <laughs> talking about car stuff. What gun stuff is out there that you all want to talk about, or you? What, what do you want to talk about, bro? Any uh, there? I'm trying to see what I what I've been seeing. Like like again, ammo for me is like a normal. I I I like to say now I kind of straddle the line between the normal dude on the street and that has kind of. I know people now that you know like you that are that are creators and that mm -hmm. you're 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 on the other side of things where you guys can you get ammo you have ammo sponsors or you know people in the industry so you can see that versus me going down the street, going to the local Walmart or trying to order mm -hmm. something online. And that's what I see. Yeah. So, uh, what, what have you seen? Cause I know you usually have a sponsor. What have they been telling you? Like what, what's the big thing out there with ammunition? I I've heard like people are saying like November for primers and things like that. Yeah. Uh, that's really what's the um, shortage is all about. Here's what, so first of all, I think that for anyone to actually have an ammo sponsor, it's mm -hmm. actually pretty rare. Oh, yeah. I know they're dudes who are doing it. I'm probably like one of the smaller people who actually has one. And on mm -hmm. my part, that's just really honestly these Fort Scott guys, um, for some reason, liking me. Honestly, there's, you know, mm -hmm. it's very difficult to get companies, especially am ammo companies, to sponsor you. Mm -hmm. um, typically, even though I've been doing this for a while, and even guys who are bigger, an ammo company will give you like literally two or two two boxes. I've some of them just give you a box of ammo. Oh, yeah. Okay, nice twenty rounds. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know that doesn't even fill a magazine or whatever, right? But um, typically that's just how it is, right? They're very reluctant to get into that type of situation. I think yep. for me, it's just literally, you know, um, fate or something crazy like that that. The owner of Fort Scott Munitions. Um, I'll tell you the story. So, I was in a gun store, and one of their sales guys was in that store, and the people in the store could give two craps about them. 
really didn't care for this sales guy being in there or whatever. And I was there and they knew me. So they try to brush that guy off on me. They're like, oh, maybe you could talk to Hank Strange. He's got a YouTube thing or whatever. But they, <laughs> I could hear them when I was walking around the store. They were kind of being nasty, like rude to yeah. the guy. So I was like, hey, you know, he was like, oh, who's that? He didn't know me. Mm-hmm. I was like, hey, what's up? You know, yeah, I have a thing. You know, if you guys, if, you know, if you want me to try out some of the stuff, I'd be happy to do it. But I didn't like push it. I just gave him my card. And yep. then um, I went about my business and almost immediately that guy texted me because he said he told his boss, the owner of Fort Scott, that he met me. And, and that guy was like, what? You met Hank Stranger on his number right now. <laughs> you know, and then the owner called me. And he was like, you know what? I, I love your stuff. I've been looking at your what you do for a long time. If there's anything I could do to help you out, I'll do it. And that's how. Sweet. That's how I came to meet the guys from Fort Scott. I've been to Kansas and hung out with them, and they all treat me like that. Um, and they're always cool. They've been checking up on me through this whole thing. So um, I know that's a long way to answer your question, but I just want to just let everyone know that really, really, really. That's very fortunate of me Mm -hmm. to be in that position. Um, With those guys, when I talk to them, they say they're about three weeks behind in terms of manufacturing things. And there's such a high demand right now that that's just the the reality of how it is. I think there are situations where um, there's materials and things like that for people to get into the pipeline Mm -hmm. and get those things going. And there's a high demand. We've talked here about... Um, I think it was Denmark or something like that, other countries. Denmark yeah. had, had such a, a run on ammo or ammo shortage that their soldiers have to shout bang, bang when they're training. Yeah, I remember that. So um, I think there's things going on like that out there. Um, it's, you know, I don't know if we will really, like I trust what the Fort Scott guys tell me. Mm-hmm. They're a couple of weeks behind. Things could get worse, or they could they could be a higher demand in that, um, or things could get better here. But I don't I don't really know. I, I think there's a lot of people just panic buying everything, and um, and and that's why we're in the situations that we are. And then yes, there's a massive in the pipeline. There's a big slowdown for everything because of COVID nineteen. Um, so you'll notice we were just talking about cars. Actually, right now, the price of used cars has gone up. Yep. And there's not a lot of even new cars coming into showrooms because of that gap where everyone stopped working. Mm -hmm. And that's really um, starting to take effect. So hopefully it doesn't last that long. Hopefully we could get back here. It doesn't look like like we really are until we get past this election and it goes one Mm -hmm. way or the other. So I don't know. Is that... Yeah, no, no, that makes total sense. I would be curious to see what government organizations are buying up ammunition to and how much they're buying it. Um, well, they've been buying, actually. Yeah. They've been so doing it be, for years, buying big numbers. Yeah, of, uh, yeah. Because I know uh, I, I I read something interesting about, you know, what what a like what a modern military conflict would look like like World War Three not not against not like the United States going into the Middle East and dealing with insurgents or things like that like straight up two superpowers fighting each other how that would look or like what India is going on with China and Pakistan and one of the things that they said is you know during World War Two we could build like a ship in like a month mm-hmm. and you could build planes in like a few weeks. Now everything is so technologically advanced that it takes years to build like a, an aircraft carrier 
and months or a year to build like one fighter jet. So they've mm-hmm. said that pretty much in a conflict, you like the U.S. and China might run out of like missiles and that kind of ammunition, heavy munitions in like months. Mm-hmm. And that after that, it's going to be down to basically old school weaponry. So mm-hmm. small arms and things like that are in a big conflict. So I'd be curious to see how much countries are buying ammo because of that, because they know like we got like, you know, 10,000 missiles. But once we shoot all of those in like a few weeks, like it's over. What are we going to do then? We're just going to throw rocks at each other. Mm-hmm. So and it's different. And obviously both sides would try to you would think that they would take out each other's factories. So then what are you going to do? You're going to go back to like that's how guns like the grease gun and things like that were invented because they had to go back to the basics. And they're like, we can't waste time making an advance, a more advanced gun like the Thompson and giving it to everybody. We mm-hmm. got to give, you know, make a cheaper submachine gun. Yeah. So it'd be interesting. Yeah. I think before I even uh, before I met the Fort Scott guys, which was a couple of years ago, I was I was stockpiling ammo. Oh, yeah. Whenever mm-hmm. I had money, just because I mean, we burned through a lot of ammo. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Fort Scott guys don't even make everything. So I still have, um, you know, a lot of ammo, right? It's not, there's, I, there's dudes out there I know for a fact have way more ammo than me. But mm-hmm. I think a lot of the like die, diehard guys out there have been uh, stacking up on ammo. So I think in, in a place like America, we're a different situation. Because mm-hmm. the government's been stacking that and uh, the people have been stacking it. Yep. Other countries, I don't, you know, um, probably very, very true what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would like to hope, even though I'm, you know, I'm not a big like military industrial complex guy, but I would think that America has more than whatever they're saying. And if not, then someone hasn't been doing their job, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and in a lot of ways, America has been getting ready to go to war with its own people. Yeah. Oh yeah. So and and other countries out there um, as well, but what I think the the reality is a lot right now we're kind of like World War Four. We're kind of in it. It's just it's a different yeah. kind of war. That mm-hmm. the way that these countries are fighting each other is through social media. Yep, it's propaganda. Yeah, and they're mm-hmm. setting off people. You know, we've set off things in other countries. Other countries have set off things here. And yep. I feel like that's what's happening and a lot of what we're seeing around us. Now, am I saying that every situation we see is engineered? No. I think Mm-mm. naturally stuff's going to happen. We just had something happen where someone gets shot and then immediately everyone reacts. Everyone draws their side. People start tearing down and burning down their own uh, their own neighborhoods and stuff like that, and then we all start picking sides and acting like we know yep. what happened and 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 what have you. So, I think that's the way that wars are being fought right now. Well, look what um I I that's another thing that I read recently about what China is doing. So they started in like Xinjiang, which is where they've got all the Uyghur Muslims that they've mm-hmm. been throwing into those camps, mm-hmm. and. They're rolling it out in Beijing and they're trying to pull almost like minority report. Mm-hmm. So they have their algorithms. They, I guess they call it, it's AI at this point, whether you want to think about it as like AI that we think, you know, mm-hmm. like a sentient machine that's controlling everything, or it's just programs that can search through data and they'll search through all your social media, all your phone calls, everything. Mm-hmm. They have cameras everywhere. I heard that they're trying to get to the point where they can they want to see if they can read on people's facial expressions mm-hmm. when they see certain propaganda if they think well that person just smirked when they heard something about like the great leader xi jinping 
this person might become a dissenter. So we have to start monitoring them more, more mm-hmm. closely. Mm-hmm. Like that's the point where they're getting in China. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously they're selling that technology to a lot of other countries. That's what, that's what scares me a lot. Sometimes it's like, people don't understand that for all the flaws that we have here, we have to try to preserve America because you're seeing other Western countries that don't care about the values that we do anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, London is the most surveilled city in the entire world. The British were supposedly our closest allies. You see the crazy things that the police do there. They arrest people for saying something mean to somebody else mm-hmm. on social media. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have freedom of speech there. And sometimes we forget how special that is. And we're like, oh, well, other Western countries have our values. And I was like, no, sometimes they don't. They they really do not. They're, they're in between. They're almost in between what China is uh, and what the U.S. is right now. And they're mm-hmm. willing to go down that path. I, yeah. I was... I saw that in New Zealand with uh, COVID, they were uh, they passed a law that essentially they could go without due process and go to your house to see if you had COVID-19 to mm-hmm. quarantine you. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's something that now maybe now in the United States they would try for that to happen, but that goes against our values. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so Some it's of our values. There are people yes. who believe in that. Obviously, there's certain places yeah. that are saying – so, for example, if we come up with a, a vaccine – yeah. Uh, which I'm sure we're pretty much there, right? We probably have several vaccines mm-hmm. in the pipeline. It's going to be mandatory. You have to take that vaccine. We don't even know what the we don't even know what the efficacy of it is going to be, right? Mm-hmm. Because we're dealing with something that constantly changes. We don't know what the side effects are going to be, but there's already people going. You're going to have to take this. You don't have any yep. choice. You know, so we'll we'll force it on you, mm-hmm. right? Um, so yeah, I think. Uh, I think that we're probably the problem child for the rest of the world because, you know, just the the nature of how some people are in America, we're not going to very easily fall in line. Yep. You know, we have from that, like, from my cold dead hands kind of mentality. Yeah, well, I think uh, one of the, uh, I I forgot which congressman said it. I think he was a Republican congressman. It might have been at the RNC last night where he tweeted it out. Uh, he basically said that we're reaching a point where it seems like democracy is against human instinct. So the U.S. has been fighting so hard to stand as like a democratic republic or a constitutional republic for 300 years. But it's that's not the norm. Mm-hmm. Like that's a recent development and it goes against everything. Thousands of years of human history mm-hmm. to have the people work that way, because even even, you know, even ancient Greece and Rome fell apart. Mm-hmm. Because they allowed the democracy to become so rampant that, you know, you had a tyranny of the minority or the leadership became corrupt and then those societies collapsed. Mm-hmm. And so it seems to happen all the time. And the U.S. is the first, you know, modern society to really uh, refine, refine that concept. And when you read like the Federalist Papers or anything like that from the founders, you can you see that they they reference the older republics and they're like, what happened here this is how this republic was set up. These are the things that we can do to try to make it better. And so nobody really ever refined the idea like we did. And it and it does really go against human instinct. And that's why it's so easy for people to be seduced by like communism or socialism because we see it in other countries. I mean, I'm I'm Puerto Rican, so I'm fortunate enough that we're part of the United States. But living in South Florida, I hear stories from, you know, the Cubans and Venezuelans all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, about what they had to go through and how easy it is just to get seduced by beautiful language, like what Ch- um, Chavez told the Venezuelans. And obviously, mm-hmm. 
Castro and Che Guevara, you know, caused a prosperous country to give it all up and, and you know, become a totalitarian state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I would agree with what you're saying. You know, mm-hmm. um, we've got someone out there who says he's in uh, Kenosha. Uh, oh wow! I, okay. Yeah, I can't verify that, but you know, he uh, uh, that's Raymond out there. He says, "Please pray for Kenosha. They uh, burned down a lot of my town I live in." Um, you know, listen. There's a lot of there's a lot of people here who believe in that. A lot of people living in the cities believe in that already. Mm-hmm. And I think the difference is, uh, it's not the same, right? There's people who live in the cities who see what we're talking about here and understand it. But a lot of people who live out in the country, we're actually living it. Yep. You know, and we realize like what it is to be self-reliant and have to deal with most of our problems ourselves. And we understand the beauty of that, but there's other people who don't. So yep. a lot of what's happening in America, instead of fixing things, just destroying everything and then calling for some outside force to come in and fix it when it's your problem that you created, mm-hmm. you know, and that you have to take an honest look at, yep. you know, that's really what I think what we're having. So like if you have kids um, and someone comes to you and says, hey, your kid's a bad guy. Right. What? No, I raised mm-hmm. I raised my kid. There's no way he's some people are going to be honest and they can recognize when their kids are bad guys. Right. Yep. But a lot of people cannot. Nope. And, you know, how often is it that someone says, OK, go ahead. Tell me about my kid. Let me actually look into this. I want to see what's going on and think about things before they deal with it. And I think that's a lot of what we have happening, that everyone's just reacting to everything. Okay, this bad thing happens. Let's compound it with a ton more of bad stuff and destroy everything where we are. And then when we have no hope, we have no choice but to become like a socialist uh, city or state, right? Because when we burn everything down, someone from the outside has to come in and fix it. Yeah, and I think that's sometimes in the... uh yeah, I sometimes I think that's part of the plan, you know, and, and you hear it all the time throughout history, different examples of things like that, mm-hmm. where that's that's how they do it. Like, I, I, I honestly feel like sometimes, look, we saw supposedly for the first time in Portland the other day, you had like the, the right wing or, or whatever you want to call the the oppo- the opposition come out against Antifa. And there are some people saying that that's a false flag, that that's Antifa dressing up as right wingers to start like a brawl to then escalate things Mm -hmm. because, uh, you know, or we know that once once regular Americans start coming out, if if they if they go to those certain cities and then there's a crackdown when they show up to try to stand up against Antifa, then you're going to start seeing a lot of uh, I think you're going to start seeing a lot more problems because. Mm Then people are going to be like, okay, so this is a double standard. Then I see. Mm-hmm. So when they come out and riot, it's okay. But when we come and try to stop them in mass, then we're the ones that get arrested. Now that hasn't happened yet, but if it does, I could see how that would cause a yeah, lot of problems. Yeah, or there are people. Or, there are people riot. Let's let's forget about people rioting. There's people protesting, yeah. but people can't go out and actually vote. Yeah, exactly. You can go out and mass and protest, but you can't go out and vote. I mean, yeah. And I voting think is are, a way to express your your d- discomfort or dissatisfaction with what's going on in politics. It's it's also a protest. Yeah, and I it's think it's a right and, that you have, just like people have a right to protest something. Yeah, and I think most people aren't buying that, or they know they're lying to themselves when they say that. Mm-hmm. Because if you're if you're the kind of person that you're going out to Walmart every day to get your groceries and all that stuff, 
uh, mask or not, if you're doing that, you're around a lot of other people all the time. And you can't tell me that you can't go out and vote. Like that's, that's BS. That's yeah. utter BS. And, and if, if you think that that's the case, you're absolutely lying to yourself and yeah. you're lying to everybody else. And, I, and I went out and voted and it's no problem. I think that no. I, I've got no issue. People want to early vote, early vote, right? Yeah. But I think ultimately you want to make sure in these times that that vote is not tampered with. And we mm-hmm. know for a fact that people are tampering with those things. And and, oh, yeah. and just to go back to what we're talking about with these, uh, with the rioting and stuff like that, I know I saw and I verified it from a couple of different places you know, they burned down a, a, a black church Yeah. in, in um, you know, here in Wisconsin. They burned down a black church with a big sign out there that says Black Lives Matter. Yeah. You know, so what's exactly happening? It, you know, that's, wh- it, yeah, it's because it doesn't matter. That's not what it's about. Yeah. It, it's, it's either certain groups that have that have a motive or criminals taking advantage of those groups causing chaos, too. Yeah. There's no doubt that that happens as well. Yeah, and then other people that just get caught in, and they're young and dumb, and they're like, "Oh, well, it's cool. Let's go burn stuff down with these people," and they don't yeah. even care either way. Me personally, I'm not trying to like uh, even in this thing that I do, I'm not trying to take advantage of what's going on. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean more to me than actually solving things. I would rather solve things or try to figure out exactly what's happening. You know, mm-hmm. have some kind of communication, open with people, and dealing with things. And if there's a if you know, which there, which I'm going to say there is, right? There is a problem with um, excessive use of force when it comes to police departments. But in yep. general, I think we can all understand that not every single cop out there in a police department is uh, participating in that, right? Definitely, they're not racist. A lot of these cops are people of people of color. You know, um, there's just things here that we need to fix, and the and. What everyone is forgetting is that these people work for you. You live someplace, you pay taxes to that place, you are funding the police. Okay, you vote. If you don't vote, then I really don't have any respect for you. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I know people all have their reasons. Well, I don't vote because of this. Okay, stupid. Still. And this that's my opinion, right? At, at least vote in your local things where you can control who's your mayor, Who's your police chief? Who's your, you know, who's your sheriff or whatever, right? And have some controls over that. And so if you are paying for it and you are putting the people in charge of of those uh, police forces, you're putting those people in position, ask them why they're not doing their job. If they're not doing their job, kick them off the job. Take that over. Um, Another thing is, you know, you should, especially when you look at places that are, run by Democrats and that are predominantly um, people who live there, people of color, and then that's not reflected in who's in the police department, what the hell is happening? Mm-hmm. You know, you need to get into that police department. And if you're not going to do it, if you don't want to be a cop and someone else is a cop, there's something that you have to do before you say, you know what, there's a problem here. I'm going to solve it. That's like you're in your house, okay? The roof is leaking. Your solution, you're going to burn your whole house down. Yep. You know, so we're just not solving anything that way except setting ourselves up to look like Mogadishu or someplace like that. And then someone from the outside has to come in here and change things. And um, I'm going to tell you, if someone actually has the idea that that's going to happen, I, 
I, that's not going to happen in America. No, I, I've always said that – I've always been of the belief that if the U.S. were to go down, we're going to take everyone else with us when we start going down. It's going to be – it would cause a global conflict because there is no way when you think of it from a practical perspective – let's say that that happened. Like let's mm -hmm. say it just fell into chaos here and the government didn't have control and it fell into basically anarchy mm -hmm. and, to, and faction war or whatever – do you think that the rest of the world could, from a practical perspective, there would ne there's never been a country that's collapsed that has nuclear weapons, first of all. Mm -hmm. The rest of the world wouldn't be able to allow that because who knows what the factions are and how crazy they would be. They'd be like, the UN and most countries would be like, you can't let, we have to secure the US's nuclear weapons. Like, we can't let crazy people take that over. So they would beg China and Russia, they would be the only other militaries capable of doing anything to go in. Mm -hmm. And then what would that do? That might get every that might cause us to stop fighting each other and be like, "No, you guys aren't going to come into my house." And then that's going to create a, a huge conflict. Some or people, they'll try to get some people here might support that. Some people yeah. might support that. Yeah, um, or they might get or they might the factions might get one faction in the US to join them and mm -hmm. let let that country in. Yeah. You know, you might have uh whatever uh what is it? Uh, collaborationists or something like yeah. that. Let's if we got in the time machine and went back to January in America, we have problems in January. Yeah. Right. Or even mm -hmm. if we go back to December of last year, we have problems. America's always had problems. We've been dealing with it. America's getting better. I've been living here since the 80s. Yep. <laughs> you know, um, the thing is, up until about January, this was what we're looking at now. If you told someone in January you'd be looking at this, they'll say you are insane. Mm -hmm. Okay, we had massive. I hate to sound like a like a a Trump commercial here, but we had prosperity. We had the stock market going up. You know, we had just business thriving. Mm -hmm. People getting jobs. Yep. You know, and that was in spite of what uh, of what the media and opposition were trying to do to. Uh, yeah. Yeah. To his administration. Now, all of a sudden, everyone has to be home. People are losing their jobs. People, your mm -hmm. Companies are going out of business, right? Yep. We can't get this open for something that's always is, existed around us. Yep. Okay, we've always had problems like this existing around us in terms of COVID-19. We've had these kinds of things out there. Now, everything has to be shut down because of that. They're, they're releasing prisoners on one hand, people who've done horrible things to society and got locked up, and then they're locking people up because they don't comply with the stupid rules around that because business business owners are like, I'm not going to let my business go down the drain. They didn't save anyone. Whatever kind of no. funds went out there that was like a one-time thing, that's already, that got burned out as soon as it hit. Yep. Right? There's been mm. nothing else since that. And all that's happening is for all over the country, people are burning down things where they could get away with it. Yeah. There's places in America where they cannot get away with that. Well, we're already seeing that. I mean, I think I saw last night that there was a group that was doing like a march from Milwaukee to D.C. And they were in Pennsylvania in the boonies, I guess. And like a couple of the dudes shot them and were like, get off our property. Like, mm -hmm. we're not going to let you guys come through our neighborhood. Yeah. And that's going to start happening more and more. Yeah. And this is why I don't have a problem. I know some people might have a problem 
when they see this group or that group getting armed. I don't feel that way. If, if there's no. people of color getting armed, I got no problems with it. If there's, there's a whole bunch of white people over here and they're getting armed, got no problems with that. If there's a bunch of people over here in this place that are atheists or gay or this thing or that thing, and they're like, hey, we're not going to let this happen to our city. We're going to protect our own and we're not letting this happen. I'm 100% for that. Do not destroy your own cities. And who's going who's gonna to house you? Who's going to yeah. feed you? Who's going to serve your community? Where are you going to work when you burn it all down? You're going to have no choice. Like I saw, the worst thing I saw in all of this is the uh, brother of George Floyd going to the UN and asking the the UN to intervene in America. Yeah. That's not a solution. <laughs> no. And, you know. Plus, plus that, uh, like, again, that aims to a bigger problem. If you're doing that, the U.N. is nothing without the United States. So if we can't solve this problem, nobody else is going to solve it for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just the fact of the matter. It's yeah. not going to change at all. Yeah. And can solve uh, it. ultimately, if you think your neighborhood is so bad, you become the police. You want to defund yeah. them? I don't personally believe in that. But go ahead. Defund the police and you take that over and see how it rolls. See yeah. if you're gonna have to. If see if you're gonna have to put down the gang members in your community because you're gonna have to. Well, of course. I mean, look at. Uh, did Did you see the other day the video that this Mexican drug cartel posted of them? First of all, they were dressed. They looked like Islamic terrorists. They basically looked like you know, like you would see ISIS or something like that. The mm-hmm. way they were dressed. Mm-hmm. And I guess they took one of their rival guys or another gang or something. They they they. I mean, it's graphic, you know, mm-hmm. for anybody that describing it. They mm-hmm. cut the guy's heart out and they ate it. Mm. <laughs> That's what they did. Yeah. So you're dealing with you're dealing with some savage people. You got to just take, take those dudes out. Yeah. There's no yeah. there's no time for anything else other than all of those guys got to get put down. Yeah. But yeah. what what do people think is going to happen when you have cartels or criminal organizations like that? They're like, there's no police at all. Yeah. Like, we'll do what we want. Yeah. Exactly. You know, yeah. it's just going to create a vacuum. And then normal people aren't going to know how to react to that situation. They're going to get rolled. Because a lot of never governments that exist like that. on the face of this planet came out of pirates. Yeah. And despots. Okay. Yeah. I'm not I'm not knocking it. Like, I get it. <laughs> yeah. You know, but that's how a lot of governments were built. So if you think you're going to create a vacuum and there's going to be nothing in that vacuum or you think there's going to be something awesome in that vacuum, it's whoever's the strongest at that time is going to function in that vacuum. So either if you if you take away the government that you already have in place, then then it's either going to be the people that are going to step up or the the criminals. Yeah. It's exactly true. That's why I get on um I get on like, you know, they have these people that run out there. They say that they're anarchists. And I was like, if you're a real anarchist, you have to understand that you're not going to be able to run an entire country that way. Plus, everybody else in the world is not does not believe in that value. So they're going to look at you and they're going to be like, so we've got this mob of people over here. They have no government or military because they're all anarchists. They don't believe in any of that. Mm -hmm. So. They all basically have to stay in their little corners and cooperate if they want anything to happen. Mm-hmm. And any decision that they make, it's like democracy with chaos basically is what it is. We'll just go over there and exert our force because we're a unified force over here. Mm-hmm. And we'll just beat them over the head and take them out one mm-hmm. by one because mm-hmm. they're not unified because yeah. they don't believe in that. So that's the flaw. And sometimes people don't think yeah. beyond their own 
their own ideology sometimes. A lot of so there's a lot of people that are anarchists and Billy and they're Billy Billy badasses, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that yeah. badassery lasts up until someone comes up and kicks their ass. Yeah, and exactly. Then, and then when their ass gets kicked, then they all of a sudden become socialists, and everyone else should save them. Yeah, so. or or you throw them onto like you say, okay, we'll go start a commune somewhere where everybody has to farm and do all that stuff. And after like two or three weeks, they're like, oh, I don't like this. I don't like having to grow my own food and do all this stuff. And then if I don't want to do it, everyone else in the commune gets pissed off at me and they want to yeah. kick me out. Like that's not fair. I was yeah. like, that's that's how it really works. Yeah, you either <laughs> learn how to live alone or live with people. Exactly. You there's know, there's no other choice. You got to figure it out one way or the other. I mean, ultimately, this is how societies work together. Um, I, I really, you know, listen, I think that ultimately the people are going to speak here one way or the other. Yep. And uh, we'll all have to live with that. I'm not really as worried about it, I think, as some other people are, because I know what I am not doing. Mm hmm. So I'm going to I mean, obviously, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to vote and I'm, I'm going to talk about the things like we are here. And I'm going to try to encourage people to do things and, you know, do what I can from this point of view. But then when it's when it's all said and done, it doesn't matter. Like I'm not moving out of America, regardless of who um, who becomes president and all that kind of stuff, who wins in the election. You won't hear me saying that. You know, I'm sure you'll hear a lot of people. Look, there's Republicans. If Trump wins again, which in my personal opinion, that's the that's the option that we have in front of us right now. There's mm-hmm. Republicans who are like, well, I'm just going to move. I'm done. I'm out. You know, yeah. uh, good for you. Leave. <laughs> There's Democrats who've been threatening that for years and they haven't done it. Same thing. I feel like leave. I'm not leaving. It doesn't matter. Well, it's, it's also like uh, sometimes I get into these discussions with people because, you know, they're always like uh, when it comes to gun laws, like what's the point that's going to trigger us to say enough is enough mm-hmm. and that's it. We're just going to we're mm-hmm. we're we're going we're gonna to go. We're, you know, we're going to do what mad. we're going to do. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I say, why haven't we gotten there yet? Look what they've done. I was like, well, they've done things. But at the same time, when you really look at them. How much enforcement of some of these things are there and will they even be able to enforce what they want? And that's why I think people haven't made the move, because if everybody was getting the door kicked down for a 30 round magazine, then people would have been up in arms a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Fact of the matter is government passes a lot of laws and they don't do anything about them. And I think that that's sometimes part of the I think sometimes that's part of the system. They'll mm-hmm. gig you on it when they arrest you on something else, and then they'll say, oh, we got you on this thing, and you happen to have six thirty round magazines, so we're going to tack that on. Now you'll stay in prison for like 100 years instead of 20 or something like that. But usually it's not like we're going to go look – you know, like the ATF meme where he's going over the fence and all that stuff. I was like mm-hmm. – when, when you look at how many times people get arrested for suppressors and things like that or violating the NFA – it's like a handful every few years, I think. It's really it's minuscule. So uh-huh. sometimes that yeah. Sometimes that's not that's why I think people haven't gone in. And sometimes that's sometimes I think the government knows in certain areas what they can and can't do. They know what will really poke the bear. So they really go very slowly, even in enforcing certain things. Yeah, I think that typically 
um, the bad guys out there, the people who don't care about the laws, cause most cause most of the problems. Oh so yeah. Obviously, you have bad guys out there trying to make machine guns, and in some cases, they do it. Obviously, you have a few of them probably using suppressors, right, um, illegally, mm -hmm. and you know that's obviously a thing, and it happens. Definitely, they're wearing bulletproof vests, doing this thing. Oh, they're doing all that kind of stuff, right? Yep. Um, but ultimately, the majority. The majority are people like me and you who seem to be law-abiding people who don't yeah. get into these type of situations, who if we do run in, especially on our own, we run into a situation with a police officer, we're like, we're all cool about it, you know, for the mm -hmm. most part. We're like, okay, fine, because we realize this is not the fight. I think the no. thing that they're worried about is when the majority decides, oh, this is the fight, though. Yes, and, no, and, and then I you're agree. facing That's... all those people at once versus versus like one dude. Mm -hmm. You know, it's always easy to do something to one dude or a couple of yep. people. It's true. Not so much with a group of people, even if those people don't know what they're doing. You know, so when we—that's what we see with like NFAC, right? When you have yep. people who don't know what they're doing and not, they, you know what? I'm not. I, I should not say that the NFAC guys are not organized because they're pretty organized regardless of where that's coming from. But if we look at it and we think they don't know what they're doing, what these guys see is, oh, there's a hundred, couple of hundred armed people here. I think we'll take it easy right now. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's the thing. And that's their big worry. So if you really worry about what they're out there strategizing for and thinking about, man, how are we going to deal with this if it happens? They're really thinking about not just me and you. They're thinking about what, what happens when your whole town, when your whole city when your whole state says, nope, and yep. they try to come there like, no, you can't come in here. We don't even need you, mm -hmm. right? When you can't, I know there's certain places that might be landlocked, but there's other places that are not, Yep. you know, and, and, and we could do a lot of things and be self-sufficient. That becomes a problem. That's yep, the bigger problem. And they, they, you know, they would rather go after us individually or separate people out and get people mad over and fighting over this thing mm -hmm. when, when they really should be on a common side than to do that because that's the fear. Yep. Well, and yeah. that's something that we talked about uh, on our show on, on Sunday, talking about like uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, mm -hmm. about how you can't, she basically has the police blocking off her street. You can't mm -hmm. protest in front of her house. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what Rhonda Mary was saying, that she's what gets her angry. She was saying it with the show with you and Joe, mm -hmm. uh, is that we're all out here fighting each other and arguing over one another. And when all the elites and the fat cats just sit there and they just watch, mm -hmm. when we should be protesting against them. Yeah. They should be the ones who, who we should be outside of their house and say, mm -hmm. uh, you guys need to go. Mm -hmm. or you guys are the ones that are causing all these problems because it is them. Yeah. And, and then vote them out to protest in front of their places and mm -hmm. do all that stuff. Obviously don't burn, don't burn their stuff down. But if you want to go after somebody, that's who they should be. Everybody should be going after. I think. Yeah. I mean, if you look at Lightfoot, she's using the police department as her own private security. Yeah. I mean, I saw some video from the blaze mm -hmm. where they literally, the cops were like, we are, pri we're security here. Yeah. And, so. and 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 that's where it hurts. Like I always say that on on the right, the we're we're split on police because that's a violation of the First Amendment. What those cops are doing, they're mm -hmm. basically promoting you cannot uh, you cannot exercise your right to free speech in this area because the mayor told us we have to enforce it. Yeah. And so people are always like, well, you know, they're following orders. I don't buy that because it's like 
you're, you're still exacerbating the problem. You're helping the government violate the Constitution, and you need to understand that. And you're going to lose allies. You're going to lose even more allies when you do things like that. And I think the COVID crisis has really I, – I think it's hurt police in, some, in certain areas, especially in major cities. I think even people that would have supported the police more vehemently in the past are like, you know what? I'm not I'm not for defunding the police, but I'm also not going to go out there and defend them. Like, I'm yeah. just going to let like they're going to they're on their own now. Yeah. You know, almost. It, well, I she almost wants to like, defund the police, but not the ones that are going to protect her. Exactly. So who are those cops, though, that on the one hand, they hear her say this, but they're willing to go on the security detail instead of resigning or they go out and protest with the union. That's mm-hmm. what the police union should be doing in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Instead of begging the feds to come in, they should say, no. All the cops, you're not going to do your her security detail until she says that she's mm-hmm. not going to do this. That would be the right thing to do, I think. Uh, yeah, everyone doesn't do the right thing. I think ultimately, yeah. and I know mm-hmm. Rhonda Mary was asking the question, I think ultimately these places need to burn down to the ground. You know, I, I we have to decide if we want to spend – yeah, do we want to spend our resources trying to save Chicago? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's places like that in Florida. I don't think we need to do anything to save them. I say yeah. let them burn down. People are like, well, what, what happens then? Okay. When it's when it gets when when they destroy themselves, okay, and it's all out, then we go in there and we'll knock everything out and we'll completely redo it. But well, while I you've t- got the people in there that they think they know what's going on and they're supporting this kind of ridiculousness, they deserve to just burn themselves down to the ground. It's well, it's horrible because there's human beings in there, but they ask for that. Yeah, well, and and, and you know, part of the problem is too that. The country is not working the way that it is supposed to. We're supposed to be a federal republic and a constitutional republic where states were supposed to be allowed to succeed and fail on their own merit. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, we're not like the EU, but in a sense, we are 50 individual states that have some autonomy outside of outside of what's in the Bill of Rights and the Constitution. Anything goes like Mm -hmm. they say, all power is not not explicitly given to the federal government, the Constitution that goes to the states. So they have enough rope to hang themselves or enough rope to succeed and set an example for other states. Mm-hmm. And then the feds are just there not supposed to interfere. We defend the borders. We make sure that we everybody uses the same money. States can't can't negotiate with foreign governments on their own behalf. But everything else, you can't mess with interstate commerce. But you want to do your own laws and regulations over certain things, cars, solar power. You can go ahead and do that. If it blows up in your face, that's your problem. You learn the lesson. People can go to another state, and then while you're recovering, you can say, well, what was it about Texas that they did right? Maybe mm-hmm. I should start changing my laws to be more like yeah. them. Yeah. I think Len Holt says that is the wrong answer. I don't know if he's talking about what we're talking about right now. You can let me know. If you yeah. are, I would say, no, it's not, man. Ultimately, if there's places in the country that they're asking for this, Chicago is asking for this. They mm-hmm. cannot be helped. They're not interested in it. The people who are there voting, like I said before— you know, that are paying taxes and voting and living in Chicago that are allowing this to go on. And and instead of blaming the people who are responsible for Chicago, they're blaming Trump or something. That's all insanity. Those guys got to go. Mm-hmm. OK, yeah. that sounds that sounds cold hearted, but it has to go. You can't you can't help someone. It's like trying to jump into a lake or a river or the ocean to save someone who's drowning. And then they just drown you, too. Mm-hmm. Well, well like I said, that. that? This is how it was supposed to be. The federal government was never supposed to have this much power or influence over the states. It was never supposed to be that way. 
Mm-hmm. It was that that's just not that's not what they're there to do. And, and people and and people become too accustomed to that. And the and it's part of the Fed's problem. You know, the Fed blackmailed states to do things like that, like the drinking age. The drinking age is 21 because the Fed's told the states, OK, we're not going to give you funding for roads if you don't make it 21. The states never should have been in a position to do that, to be in that position in the first place. They should have been, well, privatize the roads then. Mm-hmm. Big deal. We mm-hmm. don't need your federal money. But it's too easy. Yeah. And 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 I understand it. It is a lot easier when you have centralized planning. But that's that leads yeah. to communism. So that's what it's all about. Len Holt says, how would that work, Hank? Okay, here's my answer to you. How's it working right now? Yeah. How's it working right now? What do you mean how will it work? It's you, working right now. What do you you're gonna what put you, band-aids forever yeah. and, and it's just gonna get worse. What do you want yeah. us to do? Like what should people do? Someone should roll into Chicago and take over? Yeah. No, so you can't you're, do that. Yeah. Yeah, your choice is to either really become like the police state that you that you've said that you're never are by rolling in there and basically saying, We're gonna crack down with an iron fist. And at first the people may be down with it. That's what happened in Great Britain and Northern Ireland. Uh, when the trouble started, you know, there was chaos between the Catholics and the Protestants. Mm-hmm. And then the Brits were like, well, we're going to send the military in there. And at first, everybody was happy because they're like, OK, great. The British military is here. They're going to be neutral. They're not going to pick any sides. But then <laughs> uh, but then, you know, a few crazies come out and they start throwing Molotov cocktails. Mm-hmm. The military, the military kills some civilians. And now everybody's pissed off. And now the government is. The, the, the main government is there in a sectarian conflict or in some street conflict mm-hmm. and, and then it's chaos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I so, don't know how. So if the people it's not going to be clean, it's not going to be pretty. Yeah. But we're, we're past the point when 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 for years you see you go when you go to the doctor and they check and they're like, you've got this mole that looks a little bit strange. Let's check it out for skin cancer or something like yeah, that. It looks like this. And you're like, that's not yeah, a good looking mole. If the mole looks like yeah. Yeah. So, and, and you're like, and you're like, no, you know what? I'm not going to do anything about it. And then the next year you go and you're like, this is looking a little bit worse, man. Like you should do, no, I'm not going to do anything about it. Then finally you come in because you're in pain and you're coughing up some junk that you've never seen before. And then they're like, well, now it's stage four cancer. So, well, what are my options? Well, you're going to have to cut out a huge part of your body. That's the first thing that we're going to have to do. And then you're gonna have to do all this experimental stuff, and you and you may still not survive because you waited too long to do this. This is a problem that is decades in the making. Mm-hmm. So the solution is either gonna be very painful, very quickly, or it's gonna take just as many years to fix. Yeah. Ultimately, everyone has to take responsibility. You, it, like uh, charity begins at home. Yes. Mm-hmm. So if you feel bad about something that's happening, you have to start at home. You have to start with you. Start with yourself, with your family, with your neighbors, right? Mm-hmm. So if, you, if you're living in one of these places and you have that problem, try to do something about it. But if you find that you're just on your own and everyone else doesn't want to do something about it, now you got tough choices to make. Do you stay there? Do you leave your family? Like, I get it. I know what that's about. I, I did that. And there's a price for that, right? Like uh, me leaving New York meant that when my mom passed away, I wasn't there to really do much about it except in in the last days. That Mm -hmm. was it. That's all I was able to do, right? And that's a tough thing. But at the end of the day, I had to think about me and my family, 
right? Yep. And there was no, to me, it just didn't seem like worth fighting in New York over it. I mean, you know, it just didn't seem worth it to me. So I found yeah. someplace. But, uh, and I say this to you guys all the time. Ultimately, wherever you are, you have to start there. You know, and I think it is easier without a doubt in, in countries and things like in the country to deal with this kind of stuff, right? There's less people. Everyone yeah. tends to know everyone. You know, most of the country, you, you're, you're voting for your sheriff and, and your mayor and all these kinds of things. And you're somehow dealing with each other. You actually see those people. Where I live, when it's time to vote, you actually see those mofos, but not mm -hmm. just when it's time to vote. They work in the banks. <laughs> yep. They work in the businesses around there. <laughs> you know, you run into these people. So so it's easier to do it there, yes. Yep. But it's not impossible for people to do it. There has to be enough people willing in places like Chicago to make a difference, in Miami to make a difference, mm -hmm. in L.A., in New York City. There has to be, in Portland, there has to be enough people. If you think it's a beautiful place that you live and you want to save it, there has to be enough people there willing to let go of, like, if it's if it's a Republican-run place there, you have to be willing and to let go of Republicans. If it's a Democrat-run place, you have to be willing to let go of the Democrats. Whoever's running it into the ground, you've got to be willing to let go of them and take that pain and invest your own time in changing that place and making it better Otherwise, what are you going to do? Just get yeah. the hell out. Yeah, people, you, you either have skin in the game or you have to know when to fold it. And that's, that's really what it comes down to. And I, and I think it, it, it's a bigger societal problem when you look at everything because people are, are – they've moved away from ownership. Like in the city, you don't really own anything. You almost can't. Mm -hmm. It's prohibitively expensive to, to, for people to own things in the city. So they have less control over their direct lives sometimes. Mm -hmm. So they need to take control in other ways that they can. Like you said, you got to talk to your neighbors and say, like, look what's going on in our street. Like, we have to do something about this. Like, we can't let, you know, these gangs run run this hood, uh, run the hood, or these people sell drugs over here because it's causing our problems. You know, we have to encourage our kids. If that means that those of us that can, we go in a group to walk our kids to school, that's what you got to do. Uh, if it means that you have to confront and tell people like you're not going to sell that stuff here, that's what you got to do. If not, if it's overwhelmed and, and you, like you said, you see like I, I mentioned it to my neighbors and they don't want to save save it. You can't help somebody more. Uh, you can't want to help somebody more than they want to help themselves. It's a losing battle because ultimately they'll be the ones that let that let you down halfway through. Mm -hmm. They won't care about how much you're helping them if they don't want to help uh, help their own selves. We have to learn how to solve our own problems. It doesn't mean yep. that someone can't help you, that you yeah. can't seek help from your neighbors and stuff like that. But that's all part of solving our own problems. The thing is like, so, and I see um, a motorboater says it here. The same people burning down their their own community aren't the ones showing up to vote. They think that if they can cry enough, they'll get their way. So mm -hmm. the reality is, is that, if you think there's something wrong there, stop allowing whatever politicians are in an office there. Why are those guys getting away with it? Why they don't live in that community that you're burning down? Yep, they don't live there. Why don't you go burn their community down? Yep. Why don't you go make noise like with uh, Lightfoot in Chicago? Go after her. Yep. Okay. If things are bad there, that's who's responsible. She's the mayor. Yep. She could put cops in front of her own home. How come she can't put cops in front of your home to protect you? 
right? Mm. How come she's not letting you protect yourself? Why mm. is there all this corruption? Okay, so, uh, you know, it's, I know it seems cold-hearted, but in life, because I love my, my, my family, I've got to think about them before I think about you. You've got to think about yourself uh, before you think about anyone else, and you have to try to, if you're, if you're living in these places, what you've been doing, however you've been thinking, is not working. Mm-hmm. Change it. Yeah. Change it, because there's other places that other people are living, and their life is not awesome and perfect, but it's better than this. And it's better than this because they take responsibility. Last night when Lola and I got home, we actually, so usually we're rolling in two different cars, right? But, but yesterday Lola was off, so she, we came in together. And when we got home, I think we got home like around, I don't know, 1030 or something like that. There was a freaking coyote on my property, mm-hmm. right? So we rolled up. He stopped. He was shocked to see us. <laughs> We're shocked. Like, what the hell's going on here? Now, obviously, there's neighbors and stuff like that, and it's pitch, but, but I could, we could see him. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's not a lot I could do, right? I'm not going to start, I'm not going to get out and start shooting a coyote and there's all this stuff going on, right? But I was like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, and that's happening because like my dog's not here anymore. There's different things going on, right? So I was like, yeah, you know what? This is, all right, this is my thing. I, I have to fix this. I got to go take that dude out, mm-hmm. right? There's probably that one and more. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, it's a thing that I have to deal with. So now I have to start thinking on it like, OK, I got to got to get things arranged over here and make plans to catch these guys out, because now they think they can they can start coming into my property because they're not meeting any resistance. This is life. Yeah. Right. So even if I didn't grow up like that, I learn it by living there. A lot of us, you know, um, you know, I, I think that. A lot of us, we're missing that. We're missing that in America and people, I'm not trying to tell anyone how to vote or what to believe in, but it's insanity if you've been voting for and believing in people who aren't doing anything for you and you're, you're, getting, you're getting this crap. If you're getting this crap, this failure along the line and by burning down your neighborhood, you are not fixing that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Lola just wrote here on the board. That's the uh, classic RNC speech, the classic. You know, the the um, she's from Baltimore. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, she says, "Stop going for the okey doke from politician." You know, from politicians out there. That's what she's saying. That's not working for Baltimore. It's not working for a lot of places. You know, people have to people have to change that. Night Train says, "I thought the coyote was after the Roadrunner." Runner." <laughs> uh, and Armin actually says we have coyotes roaming in town. Yeah, I live out in the country, so typically I had a big dog out there. They stayed off. <laughs> they stayed off my property, but um, you know now, and, now it's open to them. What's up? Yeah, and, and I know. Uh, look, I, I know Len was saying he's like the burn it down approach is happening now. Withdraw the police. It seems to happen. Uh, and riots and you let the lawsuits proceed. It's a mess about those leaders using the people. Yeah, they use the people, and ultimately. This is a con- – like I said, the, the cancer analogy is what I will always use. For years, people voted the same way in, in all these cities. They, they became either disengaged or disenfranchised, but that's a choice. It's a choice to become that way, uh, to become disengaged. Uh, it doesn't mean that you have to run for politics all the time. Maybe that is the solution ultimately in some places. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the system is stacked against you. 
as a novice to come in. And that is part of the problem. So you have to tackle it a different way. Um, so that means you have to get your people to petition and, and go and go to city hall and figure out why is it that the barriers to get in are yeah. so difficult yeah. and, and things like that. Sometimes it's, it's a big problem. And when you're coming in new, it's going to be overwhelming because you're going against a system that was in place before you got involved. And maybe you got into it. Like Joe and I, we've become more politically engaged because of, I, we've always been politically knowledgeable but we become more politically engaged because of the second amendment. But when you go in, that's not the fight that everybody's fighting every day. Mm -hmm. That's one of thousands of fights that are going on in government every day. Mm -hmm. So you, you realize real quick, whoa, you know, we've got to, we really have to see all the issues that are going on here and figure it out. Yeah. We need small, like small is going to fix a lot of this. Yeah. We need, mm -hmm. we really do need small where you can, like, I'm telling you where I'm at, uh, my, my sheriff's actually on Facebook, and mm -hmm. I have his number. I'm sure lots of people have his number, <laughs> right? Like his actual phone number, mm -hmm. you know? We need small. What's happened yep. is a lot of places have gotten too big and impersonal, so you don't know these people who are serving, who are serving you. So when it comes to the police, you don't know them. So besides mm -hmm. all the problems that we talk about all the time, the biggest one is you don't know them, they don't know you. So how do you deal with stuff? And there are situations where they're going to have to act and do things. Do I think mm -hmm. that a lot of stuff that we're seeing is is 100% correct? No, I don't. You know, I think I definitely think we're seeing some stuff and there's some problems there, but remember, we're not seeing everything. No. So ultimately, you need to be able to communicate with these guys where you trust them where you can look them in the eyes and you know who they are and you know if they did this, let's give them the benefit of the doubt and figure out what's happening here. And if this was a bad guy they were going after with a history of problems and they felt in danger, okay, now we have to deal with that. Even well, that's if another, mistakes it, were still made. And that's another problem with the way that the media is. And now with social media, we see everything that goes on everywhere as it happens. So like in Portland, they, they're at day 90 of their protest there, but they had a protest last night in solidarity with what's going on in Kenosha. And I was like, what is going on with the Kenosha Police Department does not have to do with what you're going on in the Portland Police Department. Just because you can see it does not mean that that is happening in your neighborhood. So you have some people now, obviously Portland, we know that they have their problems, but you see so many people that are even from a town in the boonies that are like, the Chicago PD is misbehaving. That means that I have to get angry at my sheriff. No, well, solve what did your, your sheriff stuff. do? Yes. Yeah. Solve yeah your what problem. did your sheriff do? Well, actually, my <laughs> sheriff's actually a pretty good guy. I don't know why I'm asking to defund them, but defund the police anyway. But is what about your police? If your police are good, then what do you have to do? That's New York's problem. It's not your problem. Yeah. Like, why, why do you have to go out and care well, about Portland that? Portland should too? be showing us what they're doing to solve their problems. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it's almost, it would be like, if you see your neighbors arguing all the time across the street from you and you're like, I'm going to go get involved in that in that argument that this couple is having. No. Or you're going to think because they're having a, a, an argument every day, that means that my relationship is jacked up and I should be angry at my <laughs> wife. What? That That's basically what you're Maybe saying. They like like, to that doesn't argue. make any sense. Yeah, you don't even know. Yeah. You don't even. Yeah. Know. It's like that doesn't even make any sense. Yeah. They could be like like Lola likes to argue with me. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but if it but if it's you for know. your own stuff, yeah. but if it's because of your own stuff, it's a different story. Then mm -hmm. they're arguing about this, so I'm gonna bring that into my life, even though I, I don't have that problem. But I'm gonna get angry about it anyway. Yeah, it's everything's too big. 
Mm-hmm. You know, everything's yep. too big, and what we need to do is make things smaller and more manageable, and then and and have people really deal with it. I'm not saying that you have to get up every day thinking about the the cops. Mm-hmm. Find someone who you trust, who you know, put them yep. in charge of it. Monitor what they're doing. When there's problems, you're like, dude, what's up with this? Yeah, and then trust them and give them give them that leeway to deal with it. And if they don't deal with it, then you're like, hey, you're not doing your job. Yep. It's real. It's real simple stuff. But I mean, we could talk about it forever. Let's uh, let's go. Let's go into some other stuff. Okay. So yeah. what? Um, you know, uh, James Miller says, uh, Hank. She only likes to argue because she likes to make. She likes to make up. <laughs> uh, I, you know what? That's there's probably some truth in that. Also, Lola thinks she knows everything. So, and then my pro- and then I think I know everything. So. When two <laughs> know-it-alls clash, <laughs> you get a perfect storm. You know, you get a perfect yep, storm. Yeah, it's true. But honestly, it's just a thing. Like, I and, and we don't, I don't know how people, we just talk and we talk like that. You know, and it's true. You don't, you don't actually know what you're dealing with. So, um, let's see. What, what actual gun stuff, I think Glock came out with, did you see this? Glock came out with something revolutionary. Oh, really? What revolutionary thing yeah, did here, Glock let me share uh, come it with out? you? New Glock slimline models, MOS for optics. <laughs> oh, all right. They're optic ready yeah. now. Rails for lights and lasers. You know what? And I'm a I'm a Glock guy. I'm not really super excited by that. Wait, so now uh, wait, did they put <laughs> 1913 rails on so, their guns now? Um, I guess that the slimline, the slimline Ooh. has not the, the slimline is optic ready so i think i guess your g43x and your mm-hmm. g48 now yeah, it are up. yeah um they've got uh you they're mos ready and i guess you could also put lasers and stuff like that on them those like awesome i mean i wonder how long glock was actually engineering all of this and uh how much research and development and all that not really much now is glock kind of like now i know that like you see this with tech companies and glock actually seems more like of all the gun companies glock seems more well more like apple of today where apple doesn't really revolutionize anymore obviously apple after steve jobs i would say Mm -hmm. is kind of how glock is like you know when you go for a Glock, it's always going to be like $499. It doesn't really change anywhere. It's always going to have these features. It's always going to look this way. It's like an iPhone. You always know it's going to have these certain things. It's going to work a certain way. But I know that with Apple, sometimes they don't innovate now because they have so many accessory makers that they're like, well, our, our third-party accessory manufacturing is so huge that we can't like completely change the design of the phone because it's going to screw over those guys. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if Glock is, well, there are so many companies that make custom slides for Glock that do all this stuff that they go a little bit slow on purpose uh, in order not to, you know. I would of course, say, they're, they're, I, they're I, also a European company. Maybe they just yeah, don't think Yeah, they're not German, but they yeah. do have kind of like a German kind of mindset or they're, I guess yeah. they're Austrian or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's more it, right? Like Glock is more like a Porsche, like a 911. You yeah. know, those haven't changed drastically. This these little changes, which preserves the value, right? In in uh, in the long run. So yeah. I think Glock is more of like a long term uh, company and what they're doing, and they're set in that, and they know if they do that, hey, we're gonna keep making money. We own a big chunk of this sector. So um, I think it's kind of like, well, yeah, you can definitely see the difference between like a Smith and Wesson and a Ruger. 
that they always try to come out with like special edition guns or enthusiast guns and and 20 different models you can get like you can get a model that's ported or or things like that whereas glock is like we don't care about that and i think it has to do with american gun culture versus european gun culture yeah i think they innovated in the first place glock back in the 80s when they came out they did a big innovation but once Mm -hmm. they realized that you pretty much made what's perfect i mean you can go back to a to a first gen glock and rock and roll with that yeah Mm-hmm. You know, you don't really have to. I was looking at Reed talking about what he carries and about how he doesn't change a trigger, which I don't. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't do a whole bunch of fancy stuff with it. I think that that's just like really the reality with where Glock is at. So it's kind of, you know, it's kind of boring. Everyone else who's trying to get some of that sector, those are the mm-hmm. ones who have to innovate and uh, and do all the fancy stuff. And to them, they're innovating by having the slimline models, these models in the first place. Mm-hmm. And I think they're trying to avoid things like when they came out with the G43X and the 48, I remember saying to them, well, that doesn't use the same magazine as the Glock 43, which I carry. Yep. You know, it's like, so what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to like sell my Glock 43? And the guy just looked at me and said, yeah. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what I said. It's kind of like the Apple <laughs> mentality. Yeah. In, in a way. Um, so, you know, it's not to knock them, but yeah, that's not super exciting now, um, news to me or anything like that. On, it's cool. On, I'm glad I didn't buy it, actually, because I was going to get a G43X or something. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I didn't do it. Now, now on, on the same like kind of Apple thing, it will be interesting now to see – how many more people go into carry optics now than before now because Glock is the one that did it, even mm-hmm. though other companies have been doing that for years. Now I'll be like, oh, now I can put a red dot. Glock is allowing you to put red dots on your pistols. This is amazing. Yeah. And it's like, well, but other people have been doing it. But, you know, until Glock yeah. does it, nobody cares. Well, I think there's lots of companies out there making the red dots and things like that. You know, mm-hmm. um, you've got Hollow Sun. You've got all the traditional guys out there. You've yep. got um, Primary Arms. um, and they've gotten way better now. Yeah. And there's way more companies that are making quality optics. Yeah. So I could see all of that, uh, you know. I think they're, I think that's, to them, that is innovation, right? Yep. Yeah, I guess, yeah, for them it is a big deal. Yeah. I mean, I would like to see the carbine. I would like to see a Glock bullpup or something. But, I mean, I'm crazy, so. I think that's what a lot of people would want. And then uh, yeah. the jokes the jokes about it taking Glock mags would never end. Yeah. I think ultimately we do have a lot of choices. Mm-hmm. There are honestly a lot of options and lots of choices out there uh, for folks. So, um, you know, find what works for you and, uh, and, and go with that, you know. I mean, I'm in a position now where if I get into a, a, a Glock 43X – I've got to get rid of the system that I have. And what that leads me to think is, well, why am I even in? I can do that with a whole completely different thing. It doesn't have to be Glock. Yeah, that's true. So, um, although I would never get rid of my Glock 17s, 19s, and all that kind of stuff because, you know, that's uh, those have a lot of good purposes that they still serve. So, mm-hmm. um, let's see. Those guns are like basically... Those designs now are like 1911s. It's a gun that's never going to change and that I don't think is going to be obsolete until we switch to like laser weapons or something like that. Like unless we stop using cartridges and rounds, like those mm-hmm. guns are still going to work, you know, mm-hmm. 100 years from now just like 1911s do. Yeah. Things uh, like that. Brian Quick says there will never be a Glock bullpup. <laughs> <laughs> you just want to crush my dreams. You just want to crush my dreams all the way. You never know. Never say never. 
Mm-hmm. This is 2020 after all. You never thought you'd be living like this. Yeah, that that's the truth. Yeah. Um, so the other thing that's kind of, I don't know what I think about it, but I saw out there, uh, CMG unveils first 5.7 by 28 millimeter to 22 LR conversion kit. Where, where, uh, where's the demand for that? I don't know. I mean, how many, uh, I guess CMMG does have a 5.7 AR, and yes. now they're coming out with a kit that converts it to 22, just like they've, you know, there's those uh, 5.56 or 223 kits that are out there. Um, here's my thing. Those things don't work. Well, I I actually love the CMMG kit, and I run it. I ha- okay. Yeah, we have one in AR-15 that works flawlessly. Really? But... Yes, I, 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 I'm impressed with it. Uh, I think it's it's sweet. Uh, you just have to obviously, you know, cl- make sure you clean out your AR more because the 22 mm-hmm. is going to jack jack it up after a while. But I'm I'm one of those dudes that I go to the range and I clean my guns like pretty much right away uh, if I can help it, especially if I'm yeah. shooting rimfire. Yeah. So it's worked, but for me, it's really weird because so five seven is already a niche round, and like you said, they build a kit. For the five seven, which implies that if you've got the five seven, you probably already have a normal two two three five five six AR. Yeah. So why would you just why would you buy the five seven to twenty two kit when you already have the? There's the yeah, I'm not AR. sure what the price is on that because but there's tons of really good. Let me see if the yeah. price is in here. I'm trying to see. I don't for more information. Okay, we got to visit CMMG. Oh no, it's three hundred bucks. It's somewhere yeah, between so, 200 and 300. Um, and you can get the 22 uh, kit on sale with for a regular AR for like anywhere between 120 and like 150, depending on what day of the week you yeah. check. And who's got uh, Len Holt sale. says they work. My, so maybe the first ones didn't work so well. I don't know about the ones now. I think um, there's also just a lot of like alternatives out there. The Smith & Wesson has a pretty good 22 M&P mm-hmm. um, AR. Um, I heard the PSA, the PSA uppers that came with their bolts were awesome. I I wanted one for a long time, but they're so hard to find. Like they last like a day. Yeah, there's a lot of different alternatives out there. I think that I would Mm -hmm. rather do if I wanted to do that. I like um, uh, Chris owns uh, the Defiance. They own Defiance, and they make a 22 LR AR that's all aluminum. It's more expensive. Mm -hmm. It's about 600 bucks, but I I really like that whole setup. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I will you, say, mm-hmm. oh, sorry, that no, uh, sometimes the CMMG kit, like I've got, uh, it works in my uh, Smith & Wesson MMP upper. That's Joe's AR. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it does not um, It does not actually uh, go all the way and make a proper. It seems like the head spacing is off with my PSA uh, upper. For some mm-hmm. reason, it just won't lock all the way with that, with that mm-hmm. one. Uh, maybe it's because actually no, it shouldn't be. They're both chambered in five five six, so I wasn't sure if it was something weird like that. The one of no, but both rifles are actually five five six. Did you guys rifles. build it up? I built the PSA. Mm-hmm. Uh, the MMP was an MMP fifteen. Yeah. That's what I. That's just how I had it. It was it was a stock that was the first AR I ever bought. So if there's any problems, it's probably you. Yeah, yeah. So it may be, but that was just the upper. That that's just the upper that mm-hmm. it won't actually. I didn't build no the upper I bought so that that's oh, actually uh, no. I didn't build the upper yeah. there completely I put the trigger and all that stuff so the lower is more when I mess with the upper I bought it the way it was oh okay so, okay Dan um, hates you but says, I've heard it sometimes with some of them but sorry sorry so Dan uh, hates you says reverse trike lock 
Touche, touche. And Clint Sanders says, did Hank just say Glock is a Porsche, more like a Honda? I would not agree with that, actually. If we were going to compare these to things, I think Glock is in that category. It's in the category of the Volkswagen Group, for sure. Mm -hmm. Okay, and you might think, oh, well, these are not expensive or anything like that. But these, um, and, and Porsches are expensive, but, but Glocks, to me, are machines or guns that work. Well, I, you know, I think... Um, I think you're right in that analogy, too, because sometimes because we're enthusiasts, firearms enthusiasts, we get to see a lot of custom like Gucci guns mm -hmm. and some or or we we love things like Nighthawk custom and, and things like that. But we sometimes don't realize those are companies like Lamborghini. That's like mm -hmm. McLaren. Yeah. So those are exotic, whereas Porsche is a performance car company. They make some cars that you would consider exotic, but they make a lot of mainstream luxury vehicles. Yeah, you could vehicles. drive the crap out of a Porsche. A Porsche is yeah. very utilitarian. It's got Yeah, so seats. it's like a Lexus or something like that where it's a high-quality <laughs> yeah. vehicle, but it's still a, a normal car. It's not like an exotic yeah. Yeah. custom if, vehicle. If you want to go down to Honda, I would say that a High Point is in the Honda category. Yeah. I would just say that. So I, I'm not knocking – I think in the beginning of this, I, I said a Honda S2000 is really cool. I have to tell you, there's Hondas that are like – they basically like just slap on a coat of paint on there and it's good to go. Mm -hmm. Like they have very thin paint jobs. You yep. know, um, the S2000 was done better. I think that was a, like a hand-built car done better. But a lot of Hondas, just look at them, man. I, I was recently looking at Honda, and their paint jobs and things like that don't last long. So I think that they're good cars. They work, and they're uh, cheaper cars but or more affordable cars, let's say that. Mm -hmm. um, and then if you want to talk about, like, Lamborghini um, and then going up from, like, supercar all the way up to hypercar and stuff like that, yeah, I think you're probably looking at uh, – there's other cars out there that I would put um, in that category, right? Mm -hmm. Like uh, I think I saw the Hootie Who has like a FK Bruno or something. That's mm -hmm. way up in the hyper. Oh yeah, you know, in the in or the, the, uh, the territory. What, what was that? The Lago Alien or whatever? Yeah, that, that crazy uh, five thousand dollar pistol. Yeah, even Sigs and stuff like that. I find those to be like you know. Um, like there's some Sig pistols out there. I'm not saying the the three sixty five. That's obviously your entry level. Yeah. They designed that to be your entry level things. All the SIG metal guns and stuff like that, I think, are, you know, are higher up there. Look at what 1911s. You can get some 1911s that are ridiculously expensive. And, I am. You know, but a Glock does work all day long. I've done training with Glocks and put a 1,000 rounds through them or more in, like, two days or a day or something like that. And the person, who, the thing that broke was me. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I know that it's it seems affordable. So a lot of people don't look at it that way, but you can get a Glock and you don't have to do anything to it. Well, and again, I it's kind of like like I said with Apple. Yeah. There is no you don't negotiate on a Glock. It mm -hmm. is the price that it is. It's like buying an Apple computer. It's like MacBook Pro. It's mm -hmm. nineteen. It's two thousand bucks or whatever. That's yeah. it. There's no. There's no it's not going to be more expensive than that. It's not going to be cheaper than that that but it is what it is. There's mm -hmm. other guns if you want to pay a little bit less or you want to negotiate, you can do that. You can't haggle a Glock. That, yeah. that tells Appala you that tells you what it is. Yeah, Appalachian Gunrunner says if anything Glock is a F150, they aren't showy or beautiful, but they work and they're always among the top sellers. Okay, listen, let's not say let's not let's take away let's take away Porsche. 
because you don't like that. <laughs> Volkswagen. We could put them as yeah. a Volkswagen. Volkswagen's yeah. a good European. I'm saying I'm using that because we're talking European. I think if mm -hmm. we're talking F-150s, there's American guns. I'm trying to think. What would I put? Uh, uh, F-150s. Like, I, I would put a, a Mossberg a 500. I would put like a Mossberg 500. <laughs> but but is F, in the F-150 like, category? I'm talking well, pistols. Well, it's like you oh, pistols, pistol, pistols, yeah, pistols, yeah. Yeah. pistol. Yeah, I would put like an MMP. Yeah, I would say the MMP is in that category, like American. I'm saying that about Glocks because they're, you know, they're from overseas. They're Austrian or whatever. That's why I'm saying that. I know they're they're actually pretty affordable for what they are, but but when I go, I'm telling you, there's a lot of gun guys who look down on Glock, and I just think like, well, it's simple. What's it? What's the big problem? The reason why I'm comparing it to a to a Porsche or a 911 is because you can't even tell unless you know what you're looking at. You can't tell the difference between one 911 and another. Mm-hmm. Yep. They all look the same. It's tough think, for you to tell one from 2010 and one from 2020. I, th I think with Glock is that sometimes people value means a lot of different things to a lot mm -hmm. of different people. And obviously Glock was the initial <laughs> innovator uh -huh. with with striker fired polymer mm -hmm. pistols. Yeah. So obviously we've had like, what, 30 years now for other mm -hmm. companies to innovate and make a lot of good products, whereas the Glock has been a solid product from all the time. So now – Glock doesn't look revolutionary anymore because they've been making a solid product that's mostly unchanged for 30 years. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, you have other uh, players come out like uh, – like Everyone's let's say chasing Kanik. that. Everyone's yeah. chasing that. Exactly. Yeah. Like Canik is a good example. So some people will say, well, Canik can sell a gun that has a cutout for red dot sights and all this other stuff, competition pistol for like – 450 yeah, bucks are like your bucks. Hondas and your uh, Kia's. Yeah. yeah, I was like, well, that's because Canik has to do that because they don't have the reputation yet. They mm -hmm. have to give you something else that has value. Mm -hmm. So it's like Hyundai with their warranty. Perfect example, like 10-year, 100,000 mile. Now, a Hyundai now is a much better car than they were when they first got that warranty. Mm -hmm. But that's still what they do. That's part of their reputation now. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that's that's just the way that it is. Yeah. DC2 Megaboo says true unless you buy a GT2 or a GT3, <laughs> which, yeah, I mean, I don't even want those kinds of things. Yeah. Like those aren't, you know, uh, those are nice cars, but those aren't cars that people are really buying to drive the hell out of. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's where you are. Like for me, I see it as like this has to be something I could drive the hell out of it and, um, and not be worried about it. You know, think about a McLaren. Those are beautiful cars, but... Man, the value crashes on those things, and you know um, they've got all kinds of problems. Two million dollar versions of them burn down to the ground. Yep. You know, um, a Glock you can buy for five six hundred bucks. You could probably sell it for that. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. I know it's crazy. It's like Rolex. I know everyone's gonna get mad now. We're at the end of the show. Rolex should not be as expensive as it is. That's what the problem is. Mm -hmm. They should not be as expensive as they are, but they're they're and they're not the top tier watches either. Mm -hmm. But they've built that name for so long that that name brand is driving the value of, of that particular thing. But yep. Rolexes, I mean, not even too long ago, you could buy those things for like two, three thousand dollars. And now mm -hmm. today, like entry level, you're looking at like ten, you know, eight, ten grand, unless you're, you know, getting something super basic. So I think that. I don't know. Maybe my, for sure, my look at this is all, is all skewed, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> we could argue about comparing these things to uh, 
to uh, to cars. Appalachian Gun Runner says we got to make a list of guns and their car equal. We will fight about that forever. Oh my God! Those are the two, the two most contentious communities about not agreeing about brands and things oh like that. God. There's probably it's it, it for dudes in 2020. It is guns, cars, and anything to do with like video game stuff. Like if you build computers, anything that guys are building stuff, and there's different brands involved, there's going to be conflict and yeah. drama. Nobody yes. will ever agree on it. That's we'll just never, how it is. We'll never get it straight. Okay, so yep. it is nine. Um, yep. and we we do we do have to wrap this. <laughs> uh, uh, but we, you guys can feel free to go on. <laughs> And argue about it or argue about it in the chat. We've set make, up the make questions. Make some memes and post them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and by the way, I don't ever think that I'm right about stuff. It's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's do this. Um, Rolando, how can the folks out there support you? Where can they go to? Uh, definitely uh, key these guys into the to the podcast yes. that you guys So uh, my wife and I, uh, the, the biggest way that we'd like support now is by uh, liking and subscribing our podcast. We do it every Sunday at 7 Eastern. It is the Locked and Loaded Latinos podcast. Uh, we do live on YouTube every Sunday. Uh, and then it's on pretty much every podcast platform pretty much the same night or the, the morning after we're able to post it up. Uh, I, uh, you can follow us uh, on Locked and Loaded Latinos on Instagram. Follow me as Puerto Rican Pistolero on all the major platforms, IG, Parler, Twitter. Uh, my wife is Latina Locked and Loaded. She has the letter N instead of the ampersand. So check her out, too. She's doing amazing work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so check us both out. That's how you can find us. Absolutely. Thanks so much for coming on here. Um, My pleasure. Thanks for having yeah. me on. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Dan hates you. Said, "Let's boo Hank Strange." Fine. It's all good. It's all good. Uh, for uh, us, you know, I want to thank Franklin Armory for sponsoring the show. Last night we actually had on Brandon from Franklin Armory for the first half of the show, talking about firefighting out in California. Um, so that, I think that was interesting. We, we had Walter on as well. Um, so thanks to the Franklin Armory guys. Uh, let me see, make sure you guys go to hankstrange.com, sign up for the email list. I'm going to roll in the end. Everyone stay right there. Here we go. Make sure you guys subscribe here to the channel, smash the thumbs up, ring the bell so you can be notified every time we go live. And, uh, we do, we take out the audio from this Rolando and we put it up on iTunes. You guys are doing that, right? Yep. Yeah. So if people are listening in the car, they can get the the uh, podcast and they can listen to it in the car. Yes. Yeah. We're on Spotify, uh, iTunes, uh, pretty much all the all like the three or four biggest ones. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Same thing with us. So you guys will find that out there. Thanks so much for everyone listening, hanging out with us, rocking and rolling. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll be back tomorrow. And like I said, Thursday. That's the big show. The big show. We got Pete Brownell coming uh, coming on the show on Thursday. All right, we're out of here. Last words, Rolando. What's the last words? Uh, just uh, good luck. Have, have fun when you can. Life is pretty serious right now, but you know the news makes things out to be a lot worse than they are. There's still a lot of good people out there, and we just got to come together. Amen. Okay, we're out. Peace.